Merry Christmas, and welcome to Films from the Phantom Zone, a podcast about failed and forgotten comic book movies. I am your host, Arnaldo, and to my left, as usual... Birdo, and uh, Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas, yeah. So, it's our Christmas episode. I'm super excited. Usually what we would do is we would go over our rules for our selection process, but I think what we're going to start doing now is... If we're already in a franchise, like, I'm not going to just re- keep on repeating. It. Yeah, you get it. And then when we introduce a new franchise, we'll reiterate the rules. Because we were with some people the other day that were listening to our podcast, and they're like, well, that movie's not failed. And I'm like, you're not listening to how we <laughs> select them, like, what our parameters are, you know? So oh, Our friends. Our friends are dumb. Anyway, so let's just go right into it. What movie are we doing today, Birdo? Batman Returns. We're doing Batman Returns for a couple reasons. One, we did Batman last week, <laughs> and so Batman Returns is the sequel. But two, it's a Christmas movie. It's the only Christmas movie on our entire list. I triple-checked that, by the way. Uh, but there's only three comic book Christmas movies. They are Batman Returns. Iron Man 3. And Shazam. Shazam is part of the DCEU that's ongoing, cannot be failed by definition. And Iron Man 3 is part of the MCU, which is also ongoing and not failed. So that leaves us with Batman Returns for our only Christmas movie. So let's just get into it. By the way, also there's time codes in the description. I always seem to forget to mention that. I put a lot of stuff in the episode description. If you just scroll down on whatever podcast app you're using episode description is in there it's got time codes if you want to skip around skip to the plot skip away from the plot go into the analysis go into keep or cancel whatever you want to do you can do that also any pertinent information that we put on there like this is an audio medium if we're referring to a picture i'm going to link that picture in the description you can look at it if you're not driving that way you guys can see what we're seeing as well yeah i went ahead and linked every single bat suit pretty much ever to existed in all these episodes because we do talk a lot about bat suits when we talk batman Right. So Batman Returns, available on HBO Max. If you want to watch it with us, you can watch it, come back. This is a weird one, but yeah, watch it. Oh, it's a weird one. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so initial thoughts. Do you, is this your first time seeing this movie or how I are you with this? I saw it as a kid, but you know, it's been so long that it was like watching a new movie. This yeah. Time around. Yeah. I'm with you. I feel like this was the first time I've ever seen this movie legitimately. I have definitely seen it before, but as a kid, so this came out in 92, I would have been three years old. So by the time I'm, I'm becoming like a, like a Batman fan, probably around like the ages of five to six, we had this movie, we had the previous movie. And then I remember Batman Forever and Batman and Robins coming out in theater. So like, those were big for me. And those were the family friendly ones. This movie, by the way, not family friendly, not kid friendly. No, at not all. in the slightest. This is probably the most adult Batman film to date. <laughs> I don't know, maybe Batman versus Superman might be slightly more adult. Even those are more marketable towards kids than this was, I feel. There's just a lot of weird, creepy things going on. Yeah. The imagery's... I would say for a kid, it'd be scary. I'm sure I saw this as a kid, and I want to say I probably just had no interest in ever re-watching it. This didn't scare me, but I'm sure I watched it and was like, this is... I don't is, like that. Yeah, I don't like this. Like, what else you got? And I recall watching Batman Forever and Batman and Robins, the latter two films, on repeat. Right. But this one, just like the last one, I think I've seen once in my life. Mm-hmm. I've seen bits and pieces of it here and there. Um, I want to say one year it was on cable around Christmas time because, yeah, it's a Christmas movie. <laughs> so I saw like a scene of it and I remember thinking, what the fuck is going on here? It's uh, there's a lot in this movie. Yeah. So otherwise, you ready to get into it? 
Yeah, this might be another long episode, by the way. Heads I, up. You know what, though? I think the opposite. I'm going to apologize. Really? I apologize for the last week's episode. It's two hours long. It's obviously, it's Batman. It's a big deal. Right. There was so much for us to talk about. I feel like there's quite a bit with this one as well, though. Nah, I feel like this one's much simpler. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> All right. So let's get into the plot. All right. It starts off in the, the Cobblepot Mansion. I guess it's like Christmas, 30 it's years snowing, prior to yeah. the events. Like, there's Christmas trees up. All the imagery's there. And we see the Cobblepot, like, home. And very big, like, Tim Burton vibes here. This is extra Tim Burton. Yeah. This might be one of the most Tim Burton movies out of all his collection. I'm a big Tim Burton fan. And I think this might be his... It, it might be his most, like, him thing in live action. Yeah. It feels, because even some of his other live action works have justification for why they're like that. We're going to get into that when we get into Tim yeah. Burton. But this one has none. It's no, just it's just like the, the Cobblepot Mansion's Tim just Burton. a Tim Burton mansion, basically. Yeah. And if you don't know what we mean by Tim Burton, think Nightmare Before Christmas, Corpse Bride, Edward Scissorhands. What else has he done? Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. He did Dumbo. He did Alice in Wonderland. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? Yes, the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. That's what I was going to get to. (laughs) Think of that kind of imagery. This, like, mansion is very, like, like, gothic. It's super gothic, but it's also fanciful. Like, it's not real. Yeah. You know, like, the doors are triangles. Weird things that are completely unnecessary. But it's very much that Tim Burton aesthetic. Yeah, no right angles. (laughs) No no parallel lines. No. And then it shows his parents. Yeah, who also look like Tim Burton characters. Yeah, well, you know, that's uh, Pee Wee Herman. The dad? The dad, the dad. That was Pee Wee Herman. Oh, shit. Or the actor who played Pee Wee Herman. Okay. Because Tim Burton's directorial debut was for Pee Wee Herman's Big Fun House, something like that. Big something. Doesn't matter. Something. Um, who cares? Yeah. So the, that's the that's that actor. That's Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> okay. In makeup. Yeah. We see what I'm assuming is their son in a cage, and the cage is like rattling. Yeah. And like, was it a cat that walked by? There was a cat in front of it. Yeah. And he like and he ate grabbed it? it. He grabbed it and ate it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the parents are just like staring at this cage, and they just drink a martini and look at each other. Yeah. And the next thing you know, they're throwing this cage into the river. <laughs> Or a crib. It, well, it's made to look like a bassinet, but yeah. it's definitely a cage. Yeah. And so they had this, like, mutant child. They don't like it. And so they toss it away. And it's a very, like, rich family, the Cobblepots. Yeah. We get the credit sequence. Yeah. So then the bassinet's floating down the river while the music plays. And if you need to know that this is not a kid's movie, just look at the opening fucking scene. Like, Batman music is playing while this, like, abandoned child that just got tossed into the river. Yeah. Because uh, he's very mutated. Much, um... The way they made this look like was like uh, Moses floating down the river. Yes. And that's a parallel that they drew here because later on, I mean, if we want to skip to the end real quick, his master plan is to kill all the firstborn. Which so that's not, also not a great plan. N- no, but that's also part of that kind of Moses. Right. That was, like, one, of the, was yeah. one of the plagues. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I've read the book. Yeah, so, but that kind of, I think he, the parallel is that he's like an evil Moses, because yeah. he gets abandoned and flows down the river like Moses did, although Moses' parents did it for bona fide reasons. They did it to protect him. Exactly. These parents did it to get rid exactly. of him. And therefore, instead of a good and just Moses, <laughs> who acts on the behalf of God, this is evil Moses, who looks like a fucking penguin, right? <laughs> Oh, yeah. He arrives in the sewer, and then these penguins, like, take him in. Yeah. Also, why are there penguins in the sewer? It's the. It's not a sewer. It's, uh, he floats into the zoo, remember? He flo- Arctic World? The, or? The, was that what it was? It's called Arctic Why'd World. Why did it look zoo? so much like a sewer? 
I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, so like, it looked like there was just toxic ass water. Yeah. And well, there is. We're gonna get to. Oh that. yeah, we do get. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the opening credits. Like shit, man. <laughs> Many years later, the paper says grotesque penguin man sighted. It's Christmas time. They're having a big tree lighting ceremony. They got a big tree lighting ceremony. The snow princess. Yeah. Is that ice princess. Just, something yeah. like that. It's just some model or whatever. So this movie quickly introduces us to kind of the three villains. The first one being Max Shrek. And if you think that's a dumb name, it's a <laughs> it's a reference to obviously more references, right? <laughs> From it's the last one. Always a reference. It's a reference to the actor Max Shrek, who played Count Orlock in Nosferatu. Yeah. Dracula movie. Sorta original Dracula movie. That movie is it's from like like the twenties or something. Like yeah, that. yeah. Didn't, they didn't have the rights to make a Dracula movie, so they basically made their own Dracula movie. But it, it is based on Dracula, Nosferatu. But anyway, he is named after that actor. It's played by Christopher Walken, and he he looks like fucking like Beethoven. It's honestly <laughs> Christopher Walken playing himself, if anything, with like a Beethoven wig. Yeah, he's like got the he, tall white hair. Yeah, and like like we said, this is full Tim Burton, and so even the characters are kind of like this weird storybook villain. So he's got like long white hair that's kind of going out crazy, like you said, like he looks like Beethoven. He's a very well dressed <laughs> man, but very kind of in the style of like the twenties, like it's a big suit. Yeah. And he's like this big time mogul. They call him the Santa Claus of Gotham. Gotham, Because he's giving, he's like a philanthropist, right? But really, he has ulterior motives. Like always. Right. They introduce him, Penguin, and Catwoman really quick. (laughs) Boom, 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 right? So there's a big scene where they're lighting the tree. And then that whole tree lighting ceremony gets attacked by a circus gang. Yeah. And Which is I thought weird. that was, you know what, this whole time, like, Penguin's, like, gang is a circus gang, and I get that because they're all uh, zoo people yeah. slash circus people, but I always, when I think of, like, the circus gang, I kind of think more of, like, Joker-style yeah. goons. And even later, there's a scene with, with, like, a guy dressed up like a clown, and I'm like, this doesn't ring Penguin for me so much as, like, it rings, like, Joker. more Joker stuff. Yeah, like you carnies know? and stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I thought that was weird. But anyway, yeah, the circus gang attacks, Batman shows up. Beats the shit out of everyone. Yeah. Kills a few of them. He, he, lights, like, he lights one on fire. With yeah. the Batmobile. Exactly. It's really fucked up. Uh, <laughs> uh, he just like turns the car around, hits the afterburner, the guy lights on fire. So this Batman is still killing people. He hasn't learned anything. No. But the action scene's not bad. And this movie, oh. double the budget, by the way. And you can okay. see it right off the bat. Yeah. No, they immediately. Tell, it looks just, everything looks cleaner. Like, it just looks like it's, like, everything's in high definition almost. Like, just the sets look prettier, the textures look prettier, the lighting is better. There's more going on. Yeah. And the suit just looks, like, better fitted, like, better materials. It just looks a little bit better all around. So, that happens. Batman kind of saves the day. Commissioner Gordon kind of thanks him or whatever. Not much else happens. We meet... Selena Kyle. Well, Penguin was there, remember? He was... He was sort of there. He was kind of yeah. behind some bars or whatever. But we didn't quite get a scene with him exactly. just yet. Exactly. But those are his goons. Then we meet Selena Kyle. Selena Kyle is Catwoman, if you don't know Batman characters. So, Selena Kyle, played by Michelle Pfeiffer, the mom and Ant-Man. <laughs> yeah. And the Wasp. She <laughs> is the secretary to Max Shrek. It's just one of those classic scenes where they're having a meeting and she's just kind of like in the background picking up and then she's like, actually, you know what? I have an idea. I don't and then know. they all just stare at her. Yeah. And what does Max Shrek say about her? She goes, I'm sorry, I haven't like trained her yet or something. Yeah. Like that. Or it was something really demeaning and almost like something. Super- it was also in reference to like a cat too. She's not yeah. She's not like yet. house trained yet. Yeah. Something super misogynistic. 
Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, she's the secretary. She goes home to her apartment, and it's all very pink. Yeah, it's not good looking, but it also feels like something Tim Burton would do. We just see her in her apartment real quick. It's very pink. She has some cats that come in and out. I mean, this is Gotham City or whatever. They're yeah. probably strays she takes care of. Not important. Her mom is very concerned about her. Yeah, but she doesn't really talk to her mom, it seems like, because she just kind of ignores the messages. The messages, yeah. In the meantime, Penguin kidnaps Max Shrek. Yes. Shrek has a plan to open a power plant or something like that. Something, For some reason. Something, something evil. Uh, they say that Gotham has a power surplus and he doesn't need a power plant. He's like, oh, I'm thinking about the future and the future and blah, blah, blah. And my son, he's obsessed with his son. He wants to like leave him like a shit ton of money or whatever. But... He really wants to steal the power or something, right? Something sinister. Although if they have a surplus of power, I don't know. It's it's not important. The, yeah. Some evil plan that he has. So Penguin lures him into his underground kind of lair. Again, under the zoo. But it also looks like a sewer. Yeah. Well, yeah. He's in like the penguin section. Yeah. <laughs> With the pools. Because that's why it's got the pool. It took me a minute yeah. to like understand why that layer looks like that. And then I realized this it's got stadium seating. I didn't and... notice it till towards the end when you saw that it was like Arctic World or whatever the hell. Yeah. It's well, called. they showed it in the beginning, but the whole time I'm like, did he create this layer and how? Like, how did he build it? <laughs> no, this is like the penguin kind of show. Imagine SeaWorld with like a center stage and there's like water yeah. around it and there's like a stadium seating style and so he takes Max Shrek there and he basically blackmails him because he's like I know all about your evil plan because of all your garbage I collect all your garbage I read it all really weird yeah he's like there's all this toxic sludge that you keep dumping into my water blah 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 so he blackmails him into helping him out and so he's like okay well, what do you want again Max Shrek is Christopher Walken what do you want <laughs> I'm not good. I have a, a friend, weird guy. I have a friend who does a really good walk-in impersonation, but I, uh, I'm not that guy. Anyway, <laughs> his plan is to kind of exact his revenge on his parents. Again, being abandoned, he doesn't know who he is. He doesn't know his name. And he's, like, deformed physically. Like, he has flippers for hands. Yeah. And he's very short. Obviously, he's played by Danny DeVito. Who does a great job, by the way. He really oh, does. Oh, no, no. Absolutely is incredible. And the role is pretty well written. Yeah, I Like, I don't love it, but I think it is very well executed. Obviously, he has his umbrellas. That's kind of like the iconic weapon of the Penguin. It's like weaponized umbrellas, right? And each umbrella does a different thing. He's got a whole shit ton of them. Yeah. So, Shrek tries to help him out. There are a lot of, like, bad rumors going around about a grotesque-looking Penguin Man in the sewers. Yep. <laughs> so, in order to turn that around, they plan, like, a whole thing, right? <laughs> This is a weird little scenario that happens. Yeah. The mayor is out talking about, I don't know, something, right? And he's got his baby because the mayor has like a baby child. And one of uh, Penguin's goons steals the baby and then goes into the sewer with the baby. <laughs> yep. He does it w with uh, precision that I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, he's like, like doing he flips and stuff. And flip yeah, he does like a backflip with the baby right into the sewer. Then they pretend to like have a shootout and then emerges Penguin holding the baby to be the, like the savior. Right. Right. So he like saves the baby, returns the baby. And now he's like Gotham's hero. Yeah, Everybody loves him now. Yeah. Because he saved the baby. Exactly. They very publicly take him into like the Hall of Records so he can find his parents. Yeah. Finds out he's a cobble pot. He's like the heir to like this family or whatever. He goes to their graves. There's like reporters everywhere. He makes speeches. He's making himself look real good. Right. Even though he's fucking disgusting looking. <laughs> yeah. 
Meanwhile, Selena Kyle, again, the secretary to Shrek, gets to her house, checks her messages, and realizes, I forgot something at work because she sent herself a message. And like she was like, hey, dumbass, don't forget this. If you're home and you forgot this, you need to go back to work. And it's the file on Bruce Wayne because Shrek and Wayne are going to have an important business meeting, right? Right. Because they're two of like the socialites in Gotham, right? The two of like the big time CEOs or whatever. She has to go back to the office to get this file. Right, in the middle of the night. I'm sure people already see where this is going. Yeah. So Shrek runs into her, and he's like, what are you doing here, right? <laughs> and she just has, like, word vomit. <laughs> yup. Nothing she says, like, makes any sense right here. She just completely admits to... Because she's intelligent, and that's the thing she's overlooked. Yeah. She just admits to, like, knowing all of Shrek's plans, all of his shady dealings. And she says this to him, like, in the, in the hopes that maybe, like, she'll earn his trust or something. Yeah, I don't. I think she was just nervous. Yeah, she started saying random shit. Then she started talking about all the shit she knows. Yeah, yeah. So she is a huge liability to him. So he just pushes her out the window. She's like, "Oh no, I'll just kill you." <laughs> yeah, and he kind of does. He, he just, just pushes her out the window real easy. She falls down, hits a bunch of awnings, and then like hits the ground, and then is surrounded by a bunch of cats. Now, here's something I don't quite understand in this movie. I didn't understand it as a kid, and I understand it less now as an adult watching it. <laughs> Does she have superpowers? <sighs> I don't know, because she keeps mentioning she has, like, multiple lives. Yeah, but is she kidding? Because she's multiple a Multiple things have happened to where, like, she should have been dead. Right. But are those all coincidences? I don't know. So, like, when she falls down the first time, she hits a bunch of shit coming down that can arguably have broken her fall, right? Right. And so when she hits the ground... Sure, she should be dead, but you can make a case that she would have survived. She gets surrounded by all these cats, and it's not like a weird ceremony or anything. It's just a bunch of cats, like, are looking at her. Yeah. And she wakes up and has, like, an epiphany and becomes, like, Catwoman or whatever. And she's very weird from this point on. Right. But is it just like, oh, she had a near-death experience, and she's still, like, human? Or does she have, like, weird superpowers akin to a cat? Does she have nine lives? And is she extra agile now? Or was she always this agile? You know? The movie isn't very clear. No. Which is a little odd that they would be so um, unclear on something like that. Because, I don't know, I feel like when Tim Burton does, like, supernatural type stuff, he kind of goes all in on it. Well, that's the other thing, is that this movie doesn't feel grounded at all. It feels like a Tim Burton movie. It feels like a very fantasy film. But then you we know, have this element here. It's like, I'm not sure if they want to admit that this is like exactly. fantasy or not. Yeah. Are they going actually all in or is it just enough to have like plausible deniability? Like, oh, no, this is still real. She's just saying that she has nine lives because she's, you know, kind of crazy fucking now. Fucking witty or whatever. Yeah, exactly. So she goes back to her apartment and she's like in like a she's basically like punch drunk. Right. Like she got hit enough to where she's like, yeah. She's having, like, a reckoning. And she kind of destroys her apartment. She's got that neon sign that says hello there. And, like, Obi-Wan Kenobi kind of ruined that for me now because any time I see hello there or, like, prequel memes, hello I think of, like, General Kenobi. <laughs> she smashes it. So then it just says hell here. Yeah, it's an okay bit, it's, right? It's kind of funny, but, like, ultimately it didn't – it's not related to her in any way. So she's having this transformation into Catwoman, right? Because she seems to be, like – this woman who's very out of place. Like, she's trying to, like, figure herself out in, like, this man's world. She's very, obviously beautiful. It's Michelle Pfeiffer in the 80s. And she's, I mean, Michelle Pfeiffer today. Like, still, you know, right? <laughs> but she seems to be, like, on the lowest rung of, like, society. Like, she's a secretary who's not taken seriously at all. Mm-hmm. 
she proves herself to be very intelligent and Max Rex like, I have to kill you. Like, that's it. And then uh, my favorite part is that she checks her voicemail. She's got a message from a like a guy that she went on a date with. And he's like, I don't remember what he says, but he's basically like, hey, like it didn't work out, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And she goes, I guess that's what I get for beating him at racquetball. <laughs> so she's not going to get anywhere as like a strong, independent woman. Right. Like she has to like, I don't know. And so um, so she's having like this reckoning where she's just basically like, fuck all these men. I love what sends her over the edge is that there's a she gets like a perfume ad on her recording machine. And it's all like, do you want to impress the men in your life? And she's like, fuck this shit. And she like destroys her phone. She wrecks her I think apartment. The commercial said something along the lines of like guaranteed to make your boss ask you to stay late or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> something ridiculous. And she's like, fuck all this shit, man. I'm over it. Like. And she has this whole moment. She sews together her Catwoman outfit. She puts it on. It's really tight. It's leathery. What do you think of the outfit? I'm not a fan. I love it. I think it's awesome. It's it's a bit much. It is a bit much. But it's, again, (laughs) it it kind of falls squarely into the whole Tim Burton universe. It definitely fits in this universe. And it's, honestly, it's not that far off from, like, Catwoman's usual outfit, which is just tight leather and, like, a mask anyway. And, like, you know cat ears and this has all those things it's just more it imagine looks, it looks more fetishy yeah but it's more i think imagine catwoman meets like edward scissorhands and like uh nightmare before christmas aesthetic right yeah no it's it's very much appropriate for this movie yeah i like it i think it looks good i think it's super iconic also yeah but you think of catwoman this is like the most iconic look now i definitely don't think of halle berry Oh no, for sure. Uh, we're gonna get. Oh, we'll fuck, get, we have to talk. We, have we to do watch that. Those movies. These movies actually are related. By the way, I'll get to that. <laughs> so she goes out to do Catwoman shit. Now that she's all dressed up, and we're about thirty minutes in, and we finally see Bruce Wayne. By the way, <laughs> he's not in this movie that much either. Yeah, and I'm like, again, Hollywood always learns the wrong lessons. But <laughs> the last movie, I, one of my chief complaints was that, like it just doesn't have enough Batman in it. It's like a Joker movie with Batman in yeah. it. You know, and this movie also kind of doesn't have a whole lot of Batman in it either. No, there's like maybe like three main scenes that he's in. Yeah. So like I said, we he was in that opening kind of action scene, which is pretty short, honestly. And then we don't see him again until, and I counted, the 36 minute mark is when we see Bruce Wayne again. And he has his first line. So because of uh, the circus attack, he's researching circuses in town and discovers an escape freak show after kids were going missing. I do like in this movie, they showed like Bruce Wayne as kind of like doing some detective work. Granted, he's just like looking shit up, but he's still like he's doing his research. I mean, that's what detective work is. It's like looking at newspapers for 10 years or whatever. I guess when you think of like Batman detective, though, you think of like the gadgets and the crime scene. You know, he's doing he's doing the real hard work. Yeah. Which I I like that too. Did actually show that he's a detective. Yeah. He's actually doing shit, right? Yeah. So he's trying to piece together, like, who's behind these attacks as circus freaks or whatever. Yeah, because he, he sees, like, Cobblepot on the TV, and he just – he doesn't trust him. Yeah, He's like, something's not right. So, right, because at this point, Cobblepot – or the Penguin has all this TV exposure now. Yeah. And Bruce is obviously paying attention to this. And it's all very positive exposure. Right. So he obviously doesn't trust that. So he goes to have his meeting with Shrek, right? And I like this scene because, again, we see Bruce Wayne doing something and, like, being Bruce Wayne. And, again, it's not all Batman. Remember, he has this kind of 
duality and he sees himself as Batman and that Bruce Wayne is the real mask. And right? I did like how this movie explored that, even though yeah. they didn't do a lot of it. Exactly. My thoughts exactly. They didn't do a whole lot of it, but at least they tried. <laughs> yeah. And there is some of that. And so he wants to kind of call out Max Shrek for doing shady work. And Max Shrek is the CEO of a department store. So think of like a Macy's. And we see it a bunch of times in this movie. It's called Shrek's. And the logo is a cat. It's like a weird Yeah, it's like cat. a cartoonish, like old-timey cartoon-looking cat. You know the cat clock? That famous kind of cat clock with the tail? Yeah. And, and the, the eyeballs p- go left and right? It looks it almost looks like, like just like that. that. They show it a lot. One of the reasons why Catwoman, I think, becomes Catwoman. Yeah. But Besides the fact that she was already kind of a cat lady. Right, right. So Bruce Wayne just calls him out and was like, this is a bad idea. We don't need a power plant. I think you're up to something. And like I said, I, I like that he's out doing Bruce Wayne stuff, yeah. you know, and I think back to like the Dark Knight when that Bruce Wayne, the Christian Bale is like, well, I need to go look for the, you know, it's like this Chinese company that he's doing dealings with yeah. just so that he can get into the mob. And he's like, well, this is more of a job for Bruce Wayne. And so he does a little bit of like corporate. Um, I do wish more movies did you know? that. Yeah. He knows when to play the Bruce Wayne and knows when to be Batman. Yeah. Uh, and I like that this movie does a little bit of that. I think uh, BVS did a little bit of that, too. He, he He's does like a lot at of like Bruce, a party or something. He does and, a lot of Bruce Wayne in that movie. Yeah. yeah. Again, and BVS, we don't get to talk about it a lot, but it does a lot of really good Batman stuff. I tweeted a bunch of unpopular opinions today. I saw some of those. <laughs> yeah. And one was that I think BVS, I, I agree that it's overall a bad movie, mm-hmm. or at least not a good movie. Like it's in, it could have been a, a lot better. It, if it's 50-50, it's on the 49 side, right? <laughs> but that's an oversimplification to call it a bad movie. It's because it's an amalgamation of a bunch of things. Some of those things are really, really, really good. That movie has moments of genius. No, I think it has really great ideas. I just think it didn't tie together well. Yeah. It's got bad story ideas, and it's executed poorly on the story yes. aspect. There's one character that com- – it's – it's uh, what's his name? The Redhead. The Redhead. <laughs> Lex Luthor? It's Lex Luthor. They, the they, redhead? Sorry. He's red. He's in the comic books. He's a redhead, too. <laughs> yeah, it's Lex Luthor. They fuck that character over, and it's really bad. But there are moments of genius in that movie. There's some really, really, really good ideas in that, and I don't think it's beyond saving. But anyway, that's a whole other thing. But yeah, there's some really good Bruce Wayne moments in that, too, where okay. he you know, he's, he goes to the party. He goes to the under, underground fighting ring yeah. to kind of find so, the like, guy. So, like, when movies involving Batman do pull in that Bruce Wayne element... I really do enjoy it because that's part of how he solves things. Yeah. I would have loved to see some Matches Malone's. Do you know who Matches Malone's is? No. Matches Malone's is Bruce Wayne's alter alter ego. What? When he goes in, when he pretends to be like a lowly thug and he like goes into like, like the crime world to get information, mm-hmm. his persona is matches Malone. He puts on like a mustache and like some dirty clothes. And he, that's ridiculous. And he pretends to be like a thug. Yeah. And like looking for jobs, trying to get the scoop on the underground. So he's um, got like three personas yeah. going on. I mean, Batman can't do that. No, Batman you know can't I mean? do that. Bruce Wayne can't do that. Bruce Wayne can't do that either. So he needs another persona. It's called Matches Malone. He, did, he used it a lot in the animated series. He uses okay. Matches Malone. I would love to see that in a movie one day. Yeah, I don't think but, any live action yeah. adaptation. But so there's that, that scene in BVS we were talking about where he goes to like the underground fighting club. Yeah. And he puts money on a fight just so because he's tracking one of the bad guys or whatever. That might have been more suited for like Matches Malone than Bruce Wayne. Yeah, why would, would people say? Why would Bruce Wayne be? 
be hanging out there. Yeah. Like if you saw Elon Musk in like an underground fighting ring, people <laughs> would find out. People would find out, I mean? but it, seeing Elon Musk there wouldn't be that far-fetched. Okay. What about like Bill Gates? You know, That'd one of be these a little guys more, yeah, is yeah, what yeah. I'm saying. So anyway, and there's where he meets Selena Kyle and he's like instantly attracted to her. Yeah. Obviously, because of the leads in the movie, but <laughs> because she's attractive too, but he's and like, they Damn. have a they have a they have a moment or whatever, and he immediately asks her out on a date because that's the Bruce Wayne in these movies. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a ladies' man. Yeah, right. And he's not like creepy about her or anything though, so that's good. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I think the next thing we cut to is when Catwoman shows up for the first time, and she hits up Shrek's department store. And I think that's where she may get the bullwhip that she uses. Oh, yep. And this, um, this is where she meets Batman, too, right? Yeah. So she's just kind of robbing the place. There's some guards. And she's like, you boys don't get paid enough for this. So you better fuck off before I, like, kill you. <laughs> they say something sexist to her. And she, yeah. like, whips them. All the whipping stuff is cool. Like, she apparently took classes for this. Michelle Pfeiffer did? Yeah. She, oh, shit. She took it seriously. And then she goes outside. And for whatever reason, everyone's there. Like, Batman is there and Penguin is there. Yeah, all all the three of our time. main characters are just here. Yeah, she does a bunch of backflips, which are really badass. That's how she seems to get around, is just doing backflips. Yeah. And they all meet for the first time. She says some witty shit, and then Shrek's just blows up. Like, Shrek's department is yeah. behind her. Just explodes. She, like, blew up the place. And then both Penguin and Batman are like, holy shit. Yeah. They're honestly probably impressed by her because <laughs> yeah. she seems to be getting more shit done than they are, right? Batman chases her. They fight each other on the rooftop, mm. right? They flirt a little bit. Again, they just met as people. They flirt a little bit, but then she, like, tries to kill him. She stabs him. Because she she's stabbed- got – she put, like, uh, really sharp claws on her fingers. Yeah. She's Catwoman, obviously. And so they, she, like, kisses him and then stabs his side. And then he, like, punches her off the roof. Yeah. Because she's touching his armor and stuff. Yeah. And she's – really what she's doing is looking for, like, a uh, spot of vulnerability. Like a chink in the armor. Yeah. And it's on the side, like, around his rib, which is a dumb place to not have armor. If but- anything, that's where you should have the most armor. Yeah. And so that's where she stabs him. Again, yeah. He just kind of hits her off. And she escapes. He tries to corner Penguin, but Penguin gets away also, I think, right? So Batman, yeah, Batman just failed here. He's not doing super well. Um, He's also very injured. Yeah. (laughs) So meanwhile, we see they're like in a fucking attic. That's like his hideout. But then they go downstairs and they turn it into like an office for like him running for mayor. How did he not notice when they did that? There had to have been a lot of noise. There's like a hundred people down there too. Yeah. So they come down. He's like, "What the fuck?" Yeah. So Shrek goes up to his new hideout, which is like this random attic, and like his like circus freaks are in there too with him, and he lures him downstairs with a fish. It's real gross. Like I just saw a raw fish, and he's like eating it. He's just eating it like if he was like a real penguin. We can talk about the characters later when we get to the analysis, but that's not the penguin. That's like a new interpretation of the penguin. Yeah. By the way. Yeah. But we'll get to that. Anyway, so Max Shrek lures him downstairs and reveals a whole team of people and a campaign to run for mayor. That's the pink one. And everyone's like super supportive of him and stuff. And And he's like, but we're like munching on the fish while this is happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, this is December and elections are in November. What do you mean? And Shrek is like, well, you know, like things get recalled. People get impeached. You don't know. Like, let's just go. Implying that like, yeah, Gotham City's super corrupt. It seems that. Basically, like we're going to kick the mayor out and get you in. Exactly. Yeah. And Shrek really what he wants because the mayor was blocking his power plant. That's his motivation. He, if he gets a fellow kind of bad guy in as mayor, he'll be able to get get his shit done. Exactly. And so he wants to get Penguin 
elected mayor. And so, so he introduces have, him to a bunch yeah. of people. Penguin only like pervs out. He's such a fucking pervert in this movie. He is. It's like, you know what he is? He's a fucking incel before incels were a thing. <laughs> <laughs> and because like anytime he sees a girl, he's like, oh, I'd like to do stuff to you. And he basically he's just trying to fuck at anybody. He said, never... that, he said that to like the first woman that was standing there. Yeah, why, why isn't he, you know... Fooling around with the carnies. Aren't they all having orgies? Isn't that what carnies do? Some of them are kind of attractive, too. His carnies? So a couple of them. Okay, so, like, why is it anything... You know, he's the boss. I don't know. What I'm saying is, he seems to have never seen a woman before, because anytime he sees a woman, he's, like, drooling at the mouth. This is the part of the movie where I'm like, this is not for kids at all. No. So, the, he introduced... Shrek introduces him to, like, like a publicist and, like, a PR guy. Yeah. And the publicist is, like, hot, and he's like... He literally says, I like to fill her void. Yes. That's what he says. Yes, he does say... Ooh. And yeah. then she kind of walks away, and he goes... Oh, I'd like to show her my flipper trick. And he kind of does something with his with his hand. Implying he, that he's going to finger her exactly, with his flipper. With his flipper. Right. Because he doesn't have, like, fingers. He has, like, a flipper, basically. It's, like, all his fingers are, like, webbed together. It's super fucking gross. Like, I yeah. could have dealt with the grotesque stuff. That's all fine. The imagery is cool. Why make him, like, a pervert? Yeah. And then we get to the PR guy that mentions a comment like, oh, I guess they don't have any reflective surfaces down where you're at, huh? And he, like, bites his nose off. Yeah. He Just bites straight up nose. bites it. There's blood everywhere. And the rest of the scene plays out with Penguin covered in blood. <laughs> but they're all pretending like this didn't just like, this happen. this is fine. This is fine. This is normal. No one ever, yeah. It's real fucking weird. Catwoman sneaks into his attic. And he's like, oh, just the pussy I was looking for. Again, this is a Batman movie. <laughs> Can't stress that enough. And that's what he says when he sees Catwoman yep. for the first time. Or not the second time. Yeah. Because they had just met. And Catwoman is... I mean, she wants, like, payback against Batman for punching her off a roof, I guess. Right. After she stabbed him, though. Like, let's be fair here. Like, you stabbed the guy. Yeah. He, he reacted to that. That's true. So her plan is that she wants to get rid of Batman because Batman stands in her way of what she wants to get done, which is kill Shrek. That's her only motivation. I guess that's her main motivation, yeah. Which is weird that you go to Shrek's, like, ally, and your point is, instead of getting me to Shrek, it's help me get rid of Batman, which is, like, a third party at this point, right? So that I can eventually get to Shrek, yeah. Who's your ally? Oh, yeah, whatever. They band together, and Penguin tells her his plan, which is to hack into the Batmobile and blow it up. And she's like, you're dumb. He's, and like, he's trying dumb. to like discredit Batman, right? That was like his, the thing he yes. was trying to do. There's a weird part in there where she eats his bird. And then he threatens to eat her cat. cat and then so she they, spits the bird out. And a CGI bird flies out of her mouth. It got weird. But anyway. Oh, and the entire time because she like, she's lying on his bed. And he's kind of like trying to get in bed with her. And she keeps on like standing up. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> and he's no. like, all he wants is to fuck her. Like, he doesn't give a shit about anything else. So. <laughs> oh. They run into um, each other and they start like almost fucking. Wait, when? Oh, yeah, yeah, in the And but then they go to the manor. Yeah, they go to the manor. They almost fuck. They yeah. Notice so they have the date. Yeah. And at, at the manor, again, he only invites girls over for dates at his big fancy manor. Did you notice, by the way, it's a different exterior? Oh, it was a different manor. It's a different, yeah. And this one is totally not real. It's not a real location like the last one. Um, and I'm pretty sure the lo that exterior location for the first movie is the same one they use in the next few movies. But in this movie, because it's extra Tim Burton-y, it's like a miniature that's not a very <laughs> realistic looking manner. It, it looks like a storybook kind of like gothic. Yeah. It's very tall. 
it's almost kind of squared. And again, like it looks, it looks good for a Tim Burton movie, but it doesn't look realistic at all. No. Right? And they use, they keep on using that exterior. Yeah. So Selena Kyle comes over and they have that date and yeah, they like get hot and heavy, right? Yeah. Also their date was just like watching a parade on TV. She's like, oh, just come over and we can watch it on TV. <laughs> yeah. It was smooth, I thought. <laughs> yeah, they start to get, like, kind of hot and heavy on each other. and They start making out. I actually kind of like this scene, though. It's good. Because, like, as they're, like, making out, like, she kind of, like, touches where she stabbed him. Yeah. He, like, winces and kind of moves her hand away. Yeah. He touches her somewhere where she was hurt. And she does I, the same thing. He, I think he, like, burned her neck at one point during yeah. the fight. Yeah. Yeah. Because I don't know if either of them suspect the other of being their alter ego. I don't think they do at this point. But they're just being kind of extra careful. I don't know. Maybe they do suspect each other. Or whatever, right. But they don't. Right. They don't want each other to but see. But this was a very good scene. Yeah. No, it was cool. And like we were saying, this flirts with that idea of duality because. But here's the thing, though. What annoys me is instead of, like, really examining Batman's psyche, all they're doing is they're really showcasing Catwoman and then saying, by proxy, this is also Batman. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I don't feel like it does Batman that much justice. It's just like, yeah, Selina Kyle, you know, like, she more identifies as Catwoman now after her accident. Right. And she doesn't really identify as Selina Kyle anymore. And so Batman's the same. But we only get that because... The movie keeps comparing the two, right? And that's why they're attracted to each other. Also, I like in this scene, he explains what happened to Vicky Vale in the last movie. Yeah. I'm glad that it was just like, oh, yeah, I just have a new girlfriend because it's a new movie. Because even the Marvel movies kind of do that now. Sure. But at least I, I mean, Marvel's getting really good about it because they'll rehire those actresses that didn't want to be in that movie anymore. Like Natalie Portman. Well, they're doing that now. Yeah. Like before with like Thor, it's just like, oh, yeah, um, Jane just isn't in the picture anymore. Right. Who knows why? Yeah, because in those Marvel movies, they would have to kind of give an in-story explanation for what we really knew was just normal filmmaking things like casting. Oh, the actors want to come back and blah, blah, blah. Now they're like, oh, no, but there's no limitations. Like, we can get whatever actor we want. You want Natalie Portman back? She's fucking back. We'll, We'll make it happen. Yeah. And I love that about Marvel because now when you go see a Marvel movie, you know there are no limitations. There aren't any of these like, oh, well, so-and-so off screen did this and they're actually in this movie and they didn't want to sign on because there's so much money. They had a recast or two early on. And ever since then, it's just been like, you can be fully immersed, you know? Yeah, the continuity is incredible with those. Yeah. So at the very least, they did kind of explain away some things from the last movie, which I thought was cool. Yeah. I don't know what he says, because he's also kind of, like, dancing around the fact that he's Batman. So right. He, he he's saying, tells like, her, he had, there was another part of his life, and, like, she couldn't handle that other, like, that secret part of his life. Yeah. Basically saying, like, I told her I was Batman. It didn't work he, out. Yeah. You know? And so, the implication is, is that, like, here's a woman who is basically a Batman. He can't have a relationship with a normal person anymore, right? No. But with Catwoman, this might work. And in the comics... She would understand. They date. Not only do they date, they very recently got married last year. (laughs) Look. I don't know if you knew this. I did Uh, not. Batman gets married. He got married finally last year to Catwoman in the comics, like for real. For a while, DC had like a kind of like unspoken rule that their characters can't be happy. (laughs) So like no marriages. Yeah. None of that. Even though Superman had gotten married before, like in the 90s, he married Lois Lane or whatever. So, if any relationship will work for Batman, it's going to be Catwoman, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I, I also like the scene. But, like, Penguin, uh, like, attacks the parade, and they both see this on the TV. 
And they're both like, I got to go. No, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> God, how did they, they, said, something, that they said something about like. Penguin steals one of his batarangs, uses it to stab that ice princess. Yeah. Kidnaps her, takes her to a rooftop, and then his plan is to like kill her, right? Does yeah. Batman save her or does she die? No, she dies. Oh, but shit. that doesn't happen until a little bit later. But yeah, no. no that's what I'm talking about. She di- so, like, she lands on the control thing and it lights up the tree. <laughs> oh, yeah. So she did light the tree at the end of the day, didn't she? <laughs> she did her job. Damn. Wow. So that happens and a bunch of bats fly loose. And it's right. Penguin's plan to make Batman look like a murderer, mm-hmm. right? And it kind of works. Everyone's like, oh, my God, like, Batman's a killer. Meanwhile, he exacts his plan on hacking into the Batmobile. So he's in the Batmobile. He takes control. He's kind of FaceTiming with Batman as he does it. Um, And I'm like, why doesn't he just crash the Batmobile? He's giving Batman a lot of time to figure this out, right? Well, isn't he trying to, like, run over people, too, and stuff? I think so, yeah. Just kind of, like, make him look bad. Meanwhile, Batman's, like, trying to figure out what the fuck's controlling the Batmobile, so he's, like, ripping out wires and stuff. He punches the floor, because he finds it, the Batcomputer finds it, he punches the floor and just grabs it while the car is moving. But the inside of his Batmobile is, like, a fucking, like, it's destroyed at this point. He destroyed the inside of his Batmobile trying to get this. so he unhacks the Batmobile, and a chase sequence occurs. Back in the day, the joke about Batman would be, like, is that he had the perfect tool for any occasion. Yeah. Like his utility the, belt. Yeah, it has everything. So like the shark repellent spray. That one time there was a shark and he sprayed shark repellent, so he's fine now, you know? So he's being chased and there's like a really thin alley, so he's like, okay, he hits his button and his Batmobile turns into like a torpedo instead. Like the left third and the right third just kind of fly off. Yeah. And it turns into like a motorcycle kind of really thin. I mean, not dissimilar to what happens in the Dark Knight, only much more hokey. Uh, so he can drive it right through that alley. I'm like, in how many situations would you need this other than how this often very are you specific speeding one? into an alley yeah. in your vehicle? Yeah. So Batmobile is basically destroyed. He gets a new one in the next movie. Anyway. He goes back to the Batcave. Alfred talks to Bruce about how, like, getting the Batmobile right. fixed. He's like, you can't just take it into a shop. Like, you have to, like, worry about, like, security and stuff and secrets. And then I know you probably love this part when Bruce calls yeah, him out. Yeah, because Bruce is like, oh, oh, now you want to talk about secretive? Aren't you the one who just invited Vicky Vale into the Batcave? <laughs> and like, then he says, like, yeah, I'm in there just working. And I turn around, I'm like, oh, hey, Vic. Yeah, and that was, like, one of our complaints with the last movie, that, like, he was, if you remember, he went to go tell Vicky Vale that he's Batman, but he doesn't actually do it. And so, Alfred just assumes, well, you know, if you're gonna do it, you might as well, I'll just do it for you. Vicky Vale, here's the fucking Batcave, and just lets her in. (laughs) Really? And I love that this movie at least calls it out, right? In a very funny way. He's just like, yeah, you're the fucking idiot who let Vicky Vale into the Batcave, now you're worried about security and discretion? And Alfred's like, okay... So he reaches his hand into the, I always love how the they fish go to the tank. back cave, pulls something in the fish tank, and then... The Iron Maiden, like, opens yeah. up. Yeah. If you don't know what an Iron Maiden is, look it up. Not the band. <laughs> it's just one of those, like, torture devices, yeah, right? medieval torture device, yeah. Yeah, it's like, a, imagine, like, a big old casket with a bunch of spikes in it. That's one yeah. of those. So he goes into it. This is so temper. And he goes into that, and that's how he makes it into the back cave. <laughs> When he enters the Batcave, it's like through a slide. He comes out of the slide and then immediately goes into just like like just walking. a regular walk. It's uh, kind of impressive. Alfred actually. is like, I'd rather take the stairs. And he gets in the same time. So I'm like, why even use the How long is that slide, do you think, he goes down? I don't know. Probably a couple floors. So they hack into Penguin's campaign speech. Yeah. 
And he plays, because remember, they were FaceTime earlier in the Batmobile. He plays some of that footage Penguin was saying, which is all just like, can you believe that I tricked the whole city into blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Bunch of incriminating shit. And then Penguin looks really confused and he looks over to Shrek and he's like, uh, I didn't say that. Yeah. Shrek leaves. So again, he's just on this podium and all this kind of recordings of him saying incriminating things are playing over his speech. And so the crowd turns on him. They all bust out vegetables. They throw tomatoes and onions at him, which is such a trope. But again, the movie calls it out because he pulls out his umbrella and he fucking says, why does everybody bring tomatoes to speeches? Yeah. Why is there always someone who brings tomatoes to a speech? And then, remember, his umbrellas are his weapons, so he just starts fucking shooting the crowd. Yeah. I'm amazed no one, like, dies. Like, Especially in this, in this movie. Yeah. You this think movie's he just not gun- afraid to kill people. Right. You think he just gunned them all down. He, he apparently misses them all. He doesn't actually kill anybody. He runs away. Uh, yeah, he just sprayed his gun ran away. There's an explosion. He takes Shrek. I don't remember when. Oh, he, like... Dives off the bridge into, like, the river. Yeah, he goes full penguin, right? (laughs) So penguin gets back to his lair. And earlier in the movie, when he was kind of discovering his new identity as Oswald Cobblepot, his, like, goons called him Penguin. And he's like, don't call me Penguin. That's not my name. My name is Oswald. Yeah, like, he was kind of starting to accept who he was. Yeah. Yeah. He's partially, like, this villain, but he is also having this whole kind of... uh, Like a crisis. Exactly. Uh, and discovering who he is. But now, after all this happened, and he cannot be mayor anymore, right? And oh, hell Everyone no. hates him again. He goes back to his people, and his people are like, hey, Oswald. And he's like, don't call me that. My name is Penguin. He flips that around. Mm-hmm. And then he basically goes to plan B, right? Because plan B is his original plan. He had, once he was looking for his own documents on how he was born, he collected documents on everybody in Gotham City. I don't know, logistically how. But he, he somehow did it. He wants to kill everyone's firstborn because he was cast out as a firstborn baby himself. He wants to exact revenge on Gotham City, who are innocent, but whatever, right. and kill all the firstborn children. Which, like like I said earlier, it's not a great plan. It's a horrible plan. What, what's it going <laughs> to... It's not going to accomplish anything. It might make him feel better, but... Well, he's evil. At right? this point, he's evil, and he's kind of... He's obviously crazy, too, so yeah. I guess... For his character, it makes sense, but think this shit through. Yeah. And it, and it's this Moses parallel, right? Yeah. Where it's very loosely a Moses parallel, but it's like an evil Moses where he's also plagues. Like all I the guess. plagues are happening like through him. I wouldn't overthink it. But no, it's, <laughs> it's, a very, it's very loose. Yeah, it's a very loose parallel. So Shrek has a party with all those fancy people in Gotham. And Bruce Wayne goes as Bruce Wayne only because Selena Kyle is going to be there. And they right. dance together. They dance. Oh, oh, we skipped the part earlier about the mistletoe. They fought again at some point, and then... There was mistletoe then, too. They meant, he mentioned the mistletoe, because that's where uh, it connected. That's how they realized... That's okay. We'll, we'll get there. Yeah. So, <laughs> they're dancing, and she is kind of coming on strong, because they're in the, their department store, and she right. basically worked for him. She's like, hey, there's a California king-size bed in Home Goods if you want to, like, go over there and basically fuck. <laughs> and But she does say... What do you say? We take off our costumes? Because it is kind of like it's a masquerade party. Yeah. Right. But what she means is like, these are their costumes. Bruce and Selena are the costumes. Their real personas are Batman and Catwoman. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when she says something about a kiss. She sees like the mistletoe and she goes, you know, mistletoe is deadly if you eat it. 
mm-hmm. which is something Batman said to her while they Earlier, were fighting. As Batman and Catwoman. As Batman and Catwoman. And then Batman replied with what she said to him, which yeah. was... Um, a kiss can be more deadly or something. A kiss can be more deadly if you mean it. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. They both And have... then they both look at each other like, oh, fuck. And then she <laughs> literally says, oh, no. Do we have to fight now? Yeah. <laughs> so that was fun. This movie's kind of meta in a good way, I think. That's a fun bit. So they kind of are saved because an explosion happens very conveniently timed. Um, and Penguin shows up. Yeah. But they, yeah, they both had this epiphany. They know who the other person is yep. now. This is after, I'm sorry, she kind of revealed her plan. She pulls out she a gun. She wants to kill Shrek. And then Bruce is like, holy shit, stop. Uh, yeah, put that gun down. You don't need to do that. Penguin shows up, tries to take Shrek's son. Who's like a What's his name? Man. Like Chip? Yeah, something dumb. <laughs> Chip Shrek. Christopher Walken's like, no, no, please take me instead. He's like, you know you want me. And then, like, he basically says, like, I manipulated you. I did all this. Like, right. take me instead. And then Penguin's like, you know what? You're right. Yeah. Fuck my plan. I'm just going to take He's you. like, fuck everything. You're right. I do want to kill you. Come with me. At the very least, like, Max Shrek, that was kind of honorable. Like, he... He actually he does actually, love his son. He does love his son. He's just a killer and a psychopath. And a piece of shit. And a piece of shit, also. But all the things he does, he, do, he does do for his son. Yes. So I like that angle, he, right? Yeah, he's not, like... Totally irredeemably evil. Right, right, right. So he takes him back to the zoo with all the penguins. And penguins, goons, start collecting children. I don't know where they got these kids from. It looked like they went to the kids' store and just started taking just kids Just grabbed the them. Yeah. yeah, it was weird. They put them in, like, some They're cages. like, hurry up and load up those kids. Yeah. So Batman gets there, obviously saves those babies because they're like some three-year-olds or something, saves the kids. And when Penguin hears, he's like, fuck it, let's go to plan B. He summons all his penguins and they'll have like headsets on and they'll have rockets attached to their backs. This is ridiculous. Oh, no, absolutely. Even for a comic book, even for Tim Burton, this is ridiculous. Well, that's what I'm saying. This is not a grounded movie in (laughs) any way. And that's kind of why I'm super interested to see where this goes in the Flashpoint movie. When he comes over to this universe and realizes this is not the same kind of reality that I'm used to. I wonder if they'll play that angle. I don't know if they're smart enough to do that. The director of that movie is very smart. He's the guy who did Andy... Muschietti? Muschietti, yeah. Um, This is the guy who did... He did It and It Chapter 2. Oh, cool. So this guy is good, I think. And I trust him to... Oh, he was executive producer on Lock and Key. Yeah. I like that show. Well, let's hope studio interference doesn't fuck him over. Yeah. So Penguin sets out the penguins with the rockets. Meanwhile, Shrek is kept in like a Tweety Bird cage. It's kind of it's funny. It's so comical. Like, <laughs> it's um, like a giant Tweety Bird yeah. cage. And so the plan is all the... Penguins are gonna I think, shoot. Yeah, he just wants to blow up Gotham, Gotham City. at this yeah. point. Yeah, he, Penguins like fuck it. I'm just gonna kill everyone. Right, but Batman shows up in a bat boat, which is pretty sweet. I like the bat boat. The bat boat. Although it's like a boat that can kind of do a lot of things. It's almost like an airboat. And he's just going down like the like the storm drains. To get at first, to... I thought he was just flying his like bat plane down the storm no, drains because it looks very similar. I had subtitles on because I couldn't hear, and it says bat boat on the bottom. So that's what, that's the only reason I knew it was a boat and not some sort of like plane, airboat, right. wheel contraption thing. It's, it's it's the bat boat. Anyway, he sends out like a signal. The penguins get all confused. They come back or yeah, they come back to the place. Uh, Penguin tries to make an escape. He crashes. Also, Penguin makes an escape in a giant rubber ducky vehicle. It's kind of like, yeah, it's a rubber ducky ATV. <laughs> 
He's like, Rrr! he gets on it. Starts- climb, it climbs stairs and everything, but it's a giant rubber ducky because that's like his thing for whatever reason. His rubber duckies. Anyway, the bat boat crashes into the rubber ducky. God, what are these words I'm saying? Anyway, <laughs> they get out. They have a very short fight because obviously he can't. He's no match for Batman. Not, he's just kind of swinging an umbrella at him. Yeah. Well, there's one part where he goes to reach for an umbrella to fight someone in, and he goes, "Oh shit! I reached for a cute one." That was, that was, like, right before he died at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's later. Because he has all these umbrellas, and they all can do different things. or like, machine guns or bombs or whatever. <laughs> that was funny. Or they're, like, helicopters. And one of them is just kind of, like, It's just a cute nothing. umbrella. It's it's just just... He's like, shit, why did I grab this one? <laughs> so all the penguins are back there at the zoo, but they all get the signal to let out the rockets. So all the rockets go off. And but it blows, blows up. up the zoo. Yeah. So where they all are, right? Yep. Shrek escapes his cage, his Tweety Bird cage, and Catwoman is there. She oh. gets him and throws him up against like a random, conveniently placed transformer. Yep. <laughs> Batman shows up. I like this part because at least Batman is again he likes Catwoman, right? And he wants to kind of be like, "You're not beyond he, saving yeah. yet. Like you haven't committed murder yet." Let's not forget though that Batman murders people in this oh, universe. Yeah, for sure. He's murdered a bunch of people. He has a double standard here. <laughs> but what he's saying to Catwoman is like, "Don't kill him in cold blood." Yeah, exactly. Like we well, can still we can still kind of like be a thing and be happy, and you're not far gone. And they kind of already knew who each other were, but to prove that point. Batman takes his mask off. He he rips his mask off. Like, he ripped it. Okay, so this movie has a lot of weird things in it, but this is, like, my least favorite part of the entire movie because we know, as the audience, we know that that Batsuit is foam rubber. You can look it up. It's foam rubber. Yeah. It's molded. It's not real armor plating. But in story, again, suspension of disbelief, you're supposed to believe that it's armor plating. Right? Because, again, in the first movie, he gets shot a bunch, and yeah. he survives because it's armored plating, even though it's actually rubber, right? <laughs> but in this one, he literally just rips the mask off, and... It's rubber. It's rubber, because <laughs> he ripped the fucking thing off, and it came off his head very easily. It offers him no protection. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, you can't... That's like pulling back the curtain. Don't do that. Like, at least do something else. I- I'd be fine with him taking his mask off, story-wise. <laughs> it would have been better if they just did it, like, off-screen. Exactly. Do something else, but don't literally rip the suit and then reveal that it's a prop. You know, it's just a costume. I that's where I was like, come on, like again, there's a lot of weird things. Especially in this movie. with this next part, because I didn't love that part. Yeah. Oh, and if you notice, by the way, because you know that uh, Batman wears eye makeup, so mm-hmm. that his eyes are fully blacked out when he's Batman. In this, he has the eye makeup on, and then the scene that he rips his mask off, the eye makeup is off. So you can tell that was filmed on like a different day. And no, it's probably filmed on the same day. What I'm saying is they took pay. the makeup off so that he wouldn't be wearing it when he ripped his mask off. But why? But you can see it when he's wearing the mask in the first place. I'll link it below. So wouldn't you can it see. have made sense for him, like even story-wise, to just still have the yeah. eye makeup? But. So if you want to get into it, no Batman movie has shown him wearing the eye makeup. And we talked about this in um, Kick-Ass. Because he plucked You see Cage him put the eye makeup puts on. Puts on the eye makeup. Until now, apparently, and in the shows in the preview, Robert Pattinson has the eye makeup on. I am glad they're finally like, okay, yeah, he puts eye makeup on. Yeah, just fucking do it, because obviously we can see it. Yeah, we can see it. Also, who fucking cares? And who cares? Exactly. And it kind of looks badass when he he is just sitting there with the eye makeup on. Well, it kind of looks like Viking-esque. Yeah. The sweat has kind of worn it off a little bit. Looks good. Even in the Ben Affleck. Yeah, even Ben Affleck one. There's a scene where he shows up as Batman, he rips his mask off, and we see his face, and he doesn't have the eye makeup on. Yeah. So this is actually the first time they're going to kind of own up to that, right? 
so he rips his mask off to be like, hey, like, Selena, it's me. Like, you don't have to do this. Yeah. But he's also doing that in front of Max Shrek. Like, and Max Shrek's dumb, like... Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne, why are you dressed as Batman? Why are you dressed as Batman? Yeah, exactly. And, and then Selena's like, because he is Batman. Yeah, fuck. And then he goes, <laughs> he was Batman. And he pulls out his gun. Yeah. God, God. He shoots him, like, twice, right? Or yeah, once? but again, armor plating. He's wearing armor plating. But also, <laughs> you just showed us that it's fucking rubber. So, where do you draw the line so, here, Tim Burton? So, so, he shoots him twice. He falls down. And then Catwoman's like, ah! <laughs> She's very upset by and, this. Okay, so here's the other thing we were talking about. Is she superhuman or not? Yes, because she goes, um, I still have... Seven says, lives left? She says I have something, yeah, because like, she's... Been you have enough bullets to take me out right. or whatever. And again, maybe she's just talking out of her ass. Yeah. Except that he actually starts shooting her. He shoots her like two or three times? Like in the... Well, the other thing is one goes in the side, one goes in the shoulder. She's not shooting her in She the could best. conceivably survive all of this, even if she's not superhuman. As a kid, I remember because I, you know, I saw this movie one time, yeah. I, I thought she was superhuman and literally had nine lives. Because we did kind of gloss yeah. over that she gets killed one time. Batman pushes her off. She considers that one of her deaths. Um, and then the Penguin tries to kill her because she won't fuck him. <laughs> and he's like, what does he say? You little minx, I ought to have you spayed. <laughs> and then he says something like, I don't like you anymore. So You gave me all the signals. Oh, yeah. You gave me... <laughs> I ought to have you spayed. You gave all the signals. What a fucking incel. And he I, says, like, I've grown I've grown tired of you. Well, so. she's like, I would never touch you. Why would you ever yeah. think that? And then he, like, attaches an umbrella to her and, like, sends her up in the air. And she falls down and crashes and is saved by, like, like a... She lands in, like, a greenhouse. Like a greenhouse, yeah. So, again, is that a death or is that just kind of, like, her being clever? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's unclear. So she gets shot a bunch of times by Shrek. She pulls out a taser and, and it she, grabs a power line. And she says, I've got two lives left. I think I'm going to save one for next Christmas. Nice. That's a good line. <laughs> uh, so she takes a taser, puts it to their mouth, kisses him while grabbing the power line. Electricity is just going everywhere. Batman's like, holy shit. Everything explodes. He has to kind of run away. Although we do see Max Shrek's um, corpse. Corpse. Yeah. That's fun. It That's looks, fun for the kids. It looks like a Tim Burton like type yep. corpse too. Yeah, yeah. You know, something for the kids. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. He just had to show the body. Penguin comes back somehow. He survived his fall, but then he doesn't. Really he's like do he's anything. trying to sneak up on Batman. He just falls. He though. grabs the umbrella that he thinks is a gun. He tries to shoot him. It ends up being the cute one. Yeah. He goes shit. Why did I grab the cute one? Yeah. And then he just kind of drops dead. He just drops dead. Nothing happens to him. Yeah. A bunch of penguins show up to be like his pallbearers. <laughs> they just drop him and in they the just water. Push him in the water. How do they know to do that? Because okay, earlier in the movie, he somehow trained all these penguins to like maybe it's mind control. Who knows? Again, this is a very fanciful. Well, they had world. headsets on, so they, was... they did have headsets on. You're right. <laughs> How foolish of me. Uh, to like go converge to an area and shoot, shoot their missiles. rockets and shit. These penguins can do a lot. Um, but these emperor penguins just show up out of nowhere as pallbearers for him. I read uh, something online that said, like, oh, the emperor penguins at the end were not penguins. They were little people in costumes. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, no shit. Like, 
Does anyone think those are real penguins? Those I are clearly meant, outfits. I thought you meant like in-universe. It's like, oh, those were no, penguins. No, those no, are no, just no. people dressed up. It was up. like a piece of trivia. I was like, oh, don't worry. Those penguins weren't real. I'm like, I know those penguins yeah, weren't penguins real. Penguins aren't going to pick up Danny DeVito and throw him in the well, water. They kind of just kind of like waddle and well, push yeah. them away. They're very clearly people in suits, is all I'm saying. Yes. I didn't need that clarification, is all I'm saying. No one's believing those it's are penguins. actually useless trivia. So the last scene is just Bruce Wayne. He's driving around, and he thinks he sees Catwoman's shadow. Yeah. Because it wasn't a body. So he gets out of the car. He runs over there into an alley. And there's just a cat. It's just a cat. So he grabs a cat. He takes a cat with him for whatever reason. He gets in the car. Gets in the car. Alfred tells him Merry Christmas. And And he says... Bruce says, Merry Christmas, Alfred. And what does he say next? Merry Christmas and goodwill towards men. Yes. And woman. And he looks at the cat. And then and then <laughs> we get the Batman ta- theme on. playing. Did it take Catwoman to teach him that woman existed? Like, why would he? Bruce Wayne was never really, like, sexist in any of these movies, yeah, though. I know. I know. I just thought that last line was it, kind of funny where he's like, and I women. think it's like, it's clearly trying to allude that, like, oh, hey, she's alive. Well, so then the well, camera see, pans out. You see the bat signal. The bat signal. And you see Catwoman. We'll Ooh, will there scene. be a sequel with her? There won't be. Yeah. She, she's not in any sequels. Eh, we'll get yeah. to that. So that's the movie. Overall thoughts. What do you think? <laughs> I liked it, but it was weird as hell. Hey, yeah, I think I'm with you there. It's I um, think, look, it's, it's not, not a conventional movie by it's any not means. Bad by no, any means. No, it's not bad. But you have to kind of redefine what you think is good. I've you never say seen a good, movie like this. Yeah, this is movie is very strange. It's very unique, that's for damn sure. I don't... Especially as a comic book movie. I kind of feel like it's like a fever dream of a Batman movie. You know yes. what I mean? Like, it's almost like a nightmare. Oh. If Batman were to have a nightmare, this is what he'd be dreaming up. You know what I'm saying? The Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh! <laughs> that's it! You nailed it! <laughs> that's what Tim Burton going Batman's for. This is Batman's Nightmare Before Christmas. This is literally... you. Yeah, that's exactly what this is. This is his Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh my god. No, just so much of the imagery in this movie is very like grotesque you have that in your notes yeah so and that's what tim burton is if you haven't seen a lot of tim burton movies and we'll talk about him for a little bit but he is kind of like this mix of okay so do you know what the auteur theory is no auteur theory is that film directors certain film directors if they're skilled and kind of artistic enough are auteurs and what that means is that they're artists that make movies and that their movies, it's like a piece of art. It's like you're putting your soul out there. But the difference is that, like, instead of a piece of art, films are collaborative efforts. They right. take writers and actors and producers. It's not just a one-man show. Artists and, exactly. Oh, let's not forget composer. Right. The directors oversee them, but the theory is that this is as close as you can get to a piece of art that can solely be attributed to one person. So there are certain directors who many would consider auteurs. Oh, like you see this and you're like, this is a Tim Burton movie. Right. Because okay. they, he basically puts his soul out there on film. He kind of does. You can, and Tim Burton is one of the people I would say are definitely an auteur for right. this reason. You can marathon his movies and most of them are not connected. I think this might be the only sequel he's ever done, you know? You watch his movies and you can see his personality in the movie. Oh, yeah. Like this movie, right off the bat, we saw it. Yeah. Right off the bat. <laughs> uh, so if you've seen Nightmare Before Christmas, Corpse Bride, we'll go through his... his... Frankenweenie? That's yeah. one of them too, yeah. We'll go through them. You kind of get what he's all about. He's very gothic, but he's very fantasy too. It's yes. a gothic fantasy mixture. His movies look like very storybook. 
And several of his movies are animated. They're stop yeah. motion animation for this reason. Because well, even some of his live action movies have bits of that. Like Beetlejuice and, has bits of right and stop incorporates motion in stop it. motion exactly. And this kind of puppetry work that he does. Yeah, because his movies are very much, and especially his live action movies. I feel like a lot for a lot of people, it rubs them the wrong way because they're not realistic in any way. Well, it might also just make some people like uncomfortable. Yeah. I can see how people might see these movies and be less comfortable because what you're seeing is It's like a warped reality. Real. Exactly. Yeah. It's almost like seeing a fun house or like one of those weird spirals That's or the fun house like a fun house mirror of like our reality. Exactly. It is like a weird kind of nightmare, right? Yeah. There aren't any right angles. There aren't any parallel lines. Like something always seems off. Exactly. The way I kind of attribute it is that it looks very storybook. Imagine like illustrations of a storybook. Mm -hmm. If they were trying to film those storybook illustrations in live action, but make them match, you know what I'm saying? That illustration. That's the kind of impression I always get from his movies. This is bleeding over to our Keeper Cancel, but anyway. And they're very grotesque, his films. Yes. Grotesque is like, for me, it's at least like this mix of like like the familiar and the unfamiliar. So when you see in this movie, Batman's very familiar. And again, being that it's a live action movie, you see regular human beings. You see regular sets. That's all regular and familiar. But then you see... Penguin. Penguin. Exactly. You see this and very grotesque character. He looks He looks like a monster. Exactly. They made Danny DeVito look like a fucking monster. Yeah. Apparently, this role was straight up just written for Danny DeVito. The writer said, he, I had no one he, else in mind. He honestly, he killed it. Oh, no. He's amazing in it. So, does this movie fit with the last one even? I, it's hard to tell. The last one seemed a lot more, like, as dark as the last one was, it was still kind of tame compared to this one. This one kind of went off the rails yeah, with it. Almost yeah. like uh, Tim Burton had uh, more freedom with it. Well, that's exactly what happened. Oh, okay. So, and I was going to get to that. And again, I apologize for last week. There was so much to talk about when talking about Batman. But the last movie was a blockbuster hit on a fairly medium low budget. It was like 30 something million, which at the time was like medium to low. But proved to be a marketing juggernaut. Nowadays, we see that as, like, obvious. We're like, yeah, Batman, you idiots. Like, you can sell everything with Batman. Yeah. Lunchboxes, toys, Happy Meal toys. We'll get to that. Ooh. Um, <laughs> fucking T-shirts, cereal. There was a Batman cereal for that first movie. It's probably just, like, shitty corn Yeah, puffs. sure. <laughs> Yeah. For, yeah, absolutely. But they didn't realize what a marketing juggernaut they had. Otherwise, they would have done this forever ago. You know, again, Batman was kind of the first big superhero movie since Superman, which came 10 years prior. And there had been two other sequels beforehand also. But no one had done it. Like, And Superman didn't really inspire a bunch more movies to be made. It was Batman that did it because of its marketability, because of the toys and the t-shirts and yada yada. So at this point, they said, sure, that last time we talked about, they wanted to make a dark and serious Batman movie. Now, WB is looking at them like, yeah, we can make whatever movie you want. But also, we need to sell shit because we're starting to realize how much shit we can sell. Yeah. You can make a lot more money just off of toys and merch. and Exactly. So for this, the executives wanted a sequel, obviously. Tim Burton didn't really want to come back for another one. They convinced him by saying, you can get as much creative control as you want. So he picked his own writers. So they literally told him, like, hey, you can do whatever the hell you want with this yeah. movie. Yeah. Just make another Batman exactly. movie. Exactly. Oh, because, that was a mistake on their part. It, absolutely. Because <laughs> uh, executives are dumb. And they said, they basically, they only know yes and no, left and right. So they say, hey, that movie made money, do it again. That's all they want. 
they're not thinking about what Tim Burton is and what his auteur is and what right. his direction is going to be. They're not thinking about that. Because he was like, all right, then I'm going to make a Tim Burton Batman movie. Yeah. Because, again, this movie almost doesn't even coexist with the last one. <laughs> and, and not even that they use different sets because they did. This movie was filmed in Hollywood as opposed to the last one was filmed in London. We said Wayne Manor was different. The right. interiors are different. The Batcave is different. The Batmobile is the same. And the suit is similar. But kind of feels like it fits in a fantasy world more so than even the last one. Yeah. So marketing-wise, I mean, now we know better. We know that Marvel is going to make three to four movies a year. And not only is it going to sell, you know, box office revenue, but it's going to sell all kinds of toys collectibles not just like the toys that they used to sell for five bucks <laughs> i mean people are buying like the hundred dollar like nice figures oh yeah but that, what's that toy company called um hot toys hot toys yeah and those figures are like 50 to 100 dollars yeah fucking oh, punisher pe- helmet like that, one that you have yeah your whole room is littered with this stuff yep i <laughs> i love this stuff exactly So I linked in the episode description a really good YouTube video from an episode of Junk History, which is a kind of YouTube show on the Cracked channel, Cracked.com. And it's about these specific Happy Meal toys, everything that happened behind the scenes with McDonald's. So as I said last week, I revealed I work for McDonald's. And so this this is a little awkward, but as long as I don't get fired and say the wrong thing, right? (laughs) (laughs) McDonald's Happy Meals are probably some of the best marketing for kids' movies, period. So the way Happy Meals work, obviously, you know, small meal in a box with a toy, right? That works for kids better than anything else because, number one, everybody loves McDonald's and kids love McDonald's, right? Absolutely. Show me a person that says they don't like McDonald's and I'll show you a liar. You know, we all eat McDonald's all the time and kids, it's a very... If anything, the fries. Yeah. And it's a very kind of... (laughs) picky kid proof food right yeah so not only that there's a toy and i don't know if you remember in the 90s like every other fast food restaurant tried to create their own happy meals and just didn't work burger king had a kid's meal burger king all the yum foods so like kfc taco bell i remember kfc having a kid's meal with toys yeah they had toys i remember taco bell had star wars episode one toys hey spoiler alert if you go to any of those restaurants now they don't have kids meals anymore it's not a thing it just they couldn't keep up with mcdonald's right when a movie company wants to sell a movie to kids they put a toy in conjunction with mcdonald's and the happy meal toys and it works listen kids know when a movie's going to come out better than we do because of this kind of subverted marketing they see the happy meal commercials they go to make their shitty parents take them to mcdonald's twice a week so they get the happy <laughs> meals they see the toys they know the movie and then they ask to go to the movie at a certain time right so when this is happening when this is coming out kids obviously want to go see the batman movie batman is a kid-friendly property or at least it kind of should be we talked about this is it more of an adult property yeah it probably works better as an adult thematically property. absolutely yeah but it still kind of is kind of for kids, right? Like that yeah. is its origin and its draw. And so kids went to go see this and parents flip the fuck out, right? Rightfully so. Like because this isn't a kid's movie. This is not a slightest. kid's movie at all. Again, they had a huge letter writing campaign, just like in the last movie. And they wrote into WB and they wrote into McDonald's. McDonald's was very quick to distance themselves from this and be like, we didn't see the movie. We didn't know what we were getting into. We're sorry. WB was like, we didn't give them pictures of the movie, but also we're kind of sorry. And the creators of the movie... Tim Burton was like, nobody told me there was a deal with McDonald's. Exactly. The creators (laughs) of the movie said, 
we weren't making a kids movie. We were not told to make a kids movie. Right. We were get, we were told PG-13 and that's where we were. And I would say this is one of those PG-13 movies that kind of like is pushing the boundaries. Yeah. With all the sexual references and how fucking <laughs> how much of an incel <laughs> the Danny. penguin is. Yeah. And you know all the blood and all the fucking grotesque. No, it's definitely imagery. like a hardcore PG-13. Yeah. Yeah. And so WB has a big, big, big problem here because this movie doubled the budget of the last one. And like we said, it shows. The movie looks really, really good. Mm-hmm. The action scenes are actually pretty are damn good, much too. Much more improved than the last one, yeah. But they, you know, they have this problem where they might not be making as much revenue. They made more money than the last one. But when you look at the difference between the budget of the last one, I think they would have liked to do a little bit better. Yeah. Right? And so Tim Burton goes into the WB offices to like, talk about the next one and they're like you know wouldn't you just rather do a small movie with us he's like y'all don't want me to do batman anymore do ya and so he was essentially fired over basically mcdonald's because mcdonald's was like listen if you want to have another happy meal toy you can't, you can't do, you can't this, do this again yeah, yeah you can't give us fucking penguins spewing out black shit while eating raw fish and talking about pussies that's not gonna fly with us if you want to sell a movie to kids and use our happy meal promotions to do it you got to give us something better so guess what tim burns not in the next movie <laughs> and i think the quality kind of takes a dive with that too so i haven't seen those like next few movies in a long time i'm really interested to see and kind of judge that for well, myself I, i'd like to judge it for myself too but i think like general consensus was that forever and batman and robin are awful yeah right and the thing is is like I think a lot of that's nostalgia. Like, I think people remember things being better. Like, we put up on Instagram, like, a Joker yeah. playoffs or and whatever, who was better. tournament. And most people voted for the Jack Nicholson one. And I really would like to survey those people and be like, when was the last time you saw that movie? Or have you even actually seen yeah, it? Yeah, because is it just nostalgia? Is it just you going, oh, Jack Nicholson's, yeah, it's iconic or whatever. Like, that's the best one. Because he beat out, I think he was up against uh, Jared Leto. And well, he beat him in a, a landslide. A lot of people hate. No, no, sure, 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 sure. Too. No, no, no. Don't get me wrong. But he beat him in a landslide, and I'm like, how much of that is that you didn't like Jared Leto version, or how much of that is that you remember something better than it really was? Right. Because the Jack Nicholson one we said it was it was fine. it was okay, yeah. It wasn't anything special, and I thought it was a much better written role than it was performed. Like I think anybody could have stepped in and done that role. Mark Hamill could have done it. Uh, Mark Hamill was considered for the Riddler in the next movie. That would have been cool. Yeah, but he couldn't because contractually something, something. He was probably because he was the Joker already in the animated Uh, series. At this point, yeah, Yeah. he was already doing the voice. Mm -hmm. So Tim Burns just wasn't welcome back, basically. Yeah, And it's not even really his fault. No, again, he was hired. He did what he was told to do. Here's the thing with the studios. like You guys need to be super explicit when you sit down with a filmmaker. Tell them what you want show them what the parameters are and come to an agreement before the film gets made. Right. Because you hired Tim Burton and you said you can have as much creative control as you want. So he did. You knew what his movies were like. At this point, Edward Scissorhands had come out. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice was already out. Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah. You, you know what this you guy You know likes. what he does. So yeah. why are you confused? It seemed saying. like a really bad miscommunication. Exactly. Across all three parties. Yeah. So there's going to be a Selena Kyle. There's going to be a Catwoman spinoff to this. Oh, that, that was, was that was an official thing. Okay, and it's the reason why they did that scene at the end when she's looking up because we said, "Oh, she's fucking dead," right? Yeah. So they had reshoots for that because at the end they wanted uh, the studio said you have to save Catwoman. 
she has to survive this movie. And they're like, well, we kind of killed her. So they had to go back and film that <laughs> scene. And they said it was super expensive because it wasn't a planned reshoot. So they had to get people back. They're they like, had to oh, open up the fuck. set. They had to make the set again. They had to get all the costumes out. They had to get. Which scene was it that they reshot? The kiss of death? No, no, the very, very, very last scene. Oh, okay. With her in it. Uh, when she looks away. That's not even her. That's just a body double. <laughs> so, oh, he was going to do the Catwoman movie. But, and Whoa. then they basically kicked him off. That Catwoman movie just doesn't happen. It's actually kind of a shame. Well, it did end up happening because it just got rewritten enough until it became the Halle Berry one. The iconic Halle yeah. Berry Catwoman movie. Exactly. That's what became of that project. because, And that's what happens in Hollywood sometimes. I wonder how bad that script got butchered. Right. Instead of just like canceling something when it doesn't work, they'll just rewrite it until it's something completely different. And they'll fucking make it. Because dollars and cents, right? Yeah. Some other interesting things about this movie, they were really good with the penguins, apparently. The whole set was frozen to like 30-something degrees. To accommodate for them? To com- Yeah, to accommodate for the penguins. Wow. They had a really, really big tank that like apparently Burton insisted on because they could have done with a smaller tank like and gotten away with it. Like mm-hmm. Again, when you work with animals on a movie... There's a lot of laws. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, advocacy groups that are involved. They oversee everything. Well, there are now. There weren't a long no, time they were, ago. No, and here in this movie, too. Uh, yeah. Tim Burton just had... He, he was just accommodating, and he wanted to make sure the penguins were comfortable and taken care of, which was mm-hmm. awesome. So the whole movie is shot, basically, on a soundstage. This is all, like, on the WB like lot. 30-something degree soundstage. In, like, California, where it's, like, 100 degrees outside, but the whole set was, like, frozen, basically. <sighs> and you know what? It makes the movie look a little bit better, I think, because you can tell that it's actually cold. Which kind of sells it with the whole Christmas aesthetic, too. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like... You can see their breath in the yeah. cold air, and it just, they look like they're cold. And apparently, Michelle Pfeiffer was freezing. Uh, well, she was wearing leather. And she was wearing it. this, like, tight cat suit, exactly. Yeah. Do you know about Batman 66, the comic book? No. So, um, you know the Batman TV show from 1966 and the yeah, movie? Yeah, Adam West. The Adam West one. Yeah. DC made a couple comic books. To continue that story after the TV show oh. had ended. Yeah, it was super interesting. People were all into it. And they made two animated movies. And I want to say they also starred Adam West and Burt Ward before Adam West passed. I actually own them. We should watch them. <laughs> and it's set in that con- continuity. Those people wanted to do a continuation of these two movies. Like specifically the Tim Burton ones. Yes. And okay. they're calling it uh, Batman 89. So... Billy D. Williams isn't in this movie. I don't know if you noticed. Yeah, right. He played Harvey Dent in the last movie. He played Harvey Dent, who becomes Two-Face, right? His role was rewritten into Max Shrek because he wouldn't be in this movie. Instead of recasting Harvey Dent, they just rewrote the character. Okay. I mean, and I can kind of respect that to a, to an extent. I don't know. I, I think the opposite. I think that's probably for well, the worse. Because is it because they want they really wanted Billy D to be Harvey Dent? Is that why? I don't know. I don't know. I think they just said, "Well, we'd rather get Walken to be Walken and have this new <laughs> character." Again, there's a lot of original characters in these right. movies. I guess it just depends on what their intent was with that. But the part at the end where Catwoman puts like the like electrifies his face mm-hmm. that was supposed to be what turns him into Two Face. Oh, but because they had rewritten the character to be Max Shrek, he just dies. Gotcha. And we'll talk about Two-Face next week because we get into Batman Forever and how it's just, how I feel like... He's white now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that first of all, and purple. A character like that, I think, works better when you set him up. Like, that character needed a lot of setup, which is why they put him in the movie in the first place, the last one. Yeah. And they kind of abandoned that, and then they kind of fuck it over in the next movie. Because <laughs> I don't know what you thought about Max Shrek. I just think, mostly not necessary. He was like, in a way, he was kind of the main villain of the movie, but... yeah. 
Like, I like Walken, and I think he's fine in this, and I think he's a very Tim Burton-esque villain, and I think maybe which in a is, different Tim Burton movie. Which is hilarious, because Tim Burton is afraid of Christopher Walken. That's why he hired him. He was like, oh, no, that guy creeps me out. <laughs> but I just feel like this movie is already over-convoluted with too many villains, and Batman doesn't get a whole lot of screen time. It's the issue that, like, like Spider-Man 3 and Amazing Spider-Man 2 suffered from, where it's like, oh, let's have, like, a... Let's have three villains against the hero, but they all have different plans. Yeah. And you can kind of do that better. Like, the MCU has done movies with multiple villains, and it works so much better because it's better written. Yeah. And they're not... And, and well, you also have to, like, are... you have to prepare to dive into that. You can't just throw three new villains into the mix and... Sure. Well, that's kind of one reason I, I think had Max Strike been Harvey Dent, that would have worked a lot because better. Because we're already familiar with him. Yeah. yeah. Even if you have to recast Billy D. Williams. You know, his name is William Williams. <laughs> it's William December Williams. That's his name. Billy D. Oh, shit. William December Williams. That's all. I, fucking... I guess that's why he goes by Billy D. Yeah, for sure. Anyway, so they were wow. going to make a comic book because, again, the next two movies are kind of such a discontinuation of this. They're, they're very different. That they were going to make a comic book that follows this specific story. And there's artwork because the people made a cover and everything. You can see it where it has a Billy D. Williams Two-Face, Michelle Pfeiffer back as Selena Kyle Catwoman, and Michael Keaton as Batman. That and it it would have been, cool. been cool. And, again, there's not that much to lose because it's just a comic book. But yeah. DC shot it down. Never happened. I don't know why they'd shoot that down. I know. Oh, uh, they also, they did end up doing a Wonder Woman 75 comic book, though. So the same exact premise with the Wonder Woman TV show. I forgot to mention this when we okay. did Wonder Woman. So they continued it with the yeah. comic? Yeah. Oh, okay. And in it's a one shame series, we didn't get this, then. Exactly. In one, in one of those uh, issues, she meets the other Wonder Woman from 1974. I need to show you this panel where they meet the two Wonder Woman that we... The secret reviewed. agent one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what the hell? It's it's kind of cool. I'd be interested in reading that issue, but they, they do meet in that comic book. I'll link it below. Anyway, do you have anything else before we move? Um, yes. Okay. Is this truly a Christmas movie? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. Because <sighs> it's like, yeah, it takes place during Christmas. I think Tim Burton really likes Christmas, first of all. Even if he doesn't like it, he's a, he's at least fascinated by it. Right. I think he has another movie that's set around Christmas time. Is Edward Scissorhands set I around think, Christmas time? I think time? Edward Scissorhands may have a Christmas scene in it. Okay. I don't know. I haven't seen the movie but in a long But there's definitely time. The Nightmare Before Christmas and obviously this. This one's kind of weird because it kind of... You know how a lot of Christmas like themed stories are about like family and coming together and stuff? Well, this does have some of that. Right. But our three main characters kind of flip that concept on its head because you've got Penguin, who was abandoned by his parents. I feel like he's the only one that has any of the Christmas themes, right? Any of the main Christmas themes yeah. that you would think of, yeah, like trying to find... He's trying to family. find his purpose as yeah, yeah. family. He's alone. But like he was abandoned by his family. Right. Bruce Wayne no longer really has any parents. Like, he doesn't really have a family. He's got Alfred, but that's about it. And Selina, she doesn't have anybody. Right. Like, yeah, her mom, like, tries to call her, but clearly they're distant. She doesn't answer her or anything, so... But do you think it's, like, they're... three, like, loners, basically. You think maybe some of this, like, some of their motivations are Christmas-inspired that, like... I would say for sure Penguins. Well, even Selina Kyle's, like... Again, she's not really, she's rejected a lot, especially by right. men. She doesn't have a good job. It's Christmas time. She has no one to be with. Yeah. You think maybe some of that has to do, is at play? I'm sure T- Tim Burton thought of that when he was writing it, but a lot of that doesn't come off on screen. Maybe. 
And then Bruce Wayne, I mean, he's still just Bruce Wayne. But I feel like also, because here's the thing, we celebrate Christmas for basically the entire month of December. You could even make a case for one-sixth, like mm-hmm. two whole months of the year, we're talking about Christmas, right? Right. Uh, Sometimes people don't give a fuck about Thanksgiving. Exactly. Right after Halloween, people are in Christmas mode. Yeah. So let's just say two months out of the year, we're completely consumed by Christmas. That's one-sixth of the, the entire calendar. If I go and look at every movie, one out of every six movies is not a Christmas movie. So statistically, I'm like, you would think that there'd be more movies that just happen to be set on Christmas and maybe don't necessarily evoke those themes or at least it's just kind of like hey what would these characters be like right. around christmas time but this movie does kind of like you said have those themes of penguin though he wants to find his family he wants yeah. togetherness right he's just kind of a broken man though yeah i like the concept of putting batman up against christmas as yeah. a setting because again like you said he is a loner mm-hmm. all he has is alfred and he kind of really doesn't really appreciate alfred that much i feel like holiday depression hits bruce wayne pretty hard that's what i'm saying i, I, I like that kind of just a position of putting him up against this christmas setting right where everyone's together and he just is still kind of doing his thing yeah. he's working but i don't really think that movie plays it that much but i i like the setting yeah you know i'll say this if we're considering this a Christmas movie, I would say it's a pretty cynical one. For sure. (laughs) Which can be a thing. It can be a cynical Christmas movie. And it's also fully intended to be like a Christmas movie because it came out in the summertime. Yeah. So this was a point that Tim Burton's making. It's not just like, oh, this is coming out in December. Let's make it a Christmas movie to coincide with the real holiday. No, this movie was written as a Christmas movie. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of the point. Yeah. It kind of comes through. And like you said, it kind of doesn't maybe. I don't know. So final verdict. Would you consider this a Christmas movie? Christmas light. Oh, we're going to do that. Okay. We're going to do that. Uh, Definitely Christmas light. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's Christmas barely. Tomorrow's episode, we talk about Christmas You'll, you'll learn a little bit more about that ranking system. system. Yeah, our tiered system. But I think this is not a Christmas Barely, which is just a movie that mentions Christmas. Yeah. This is a Christmas light movie in that it does evoke some of the themes of Christmas. And also, it, it does do, at the very least, puts a character up against the setting of Christmas in an interesting way. Yes. In the character of Batman. But maybe doesn't hit no. it out of the park. It's, it's flawed and it is cynical, but I will say it's a Christmas Shazam movie. is a better Christmas movie, I think. Yeah, that one evokes a lot, a bit more positivity, family. It is definitely right, yeah. right, right. All right, so let's move on to Keeper Cancel. All right. Keeper Cancel is where we talk about all the actors in this movie or people in this movie, and we decide if we're going to keep them or cancel them. Uh, and so I wanted to talk about Tim Burton and, at the very least, Danny DeVito. All right. Uh, walking? Walking? What's there to say? I know so little about I don't know. Walken. I know he's kind of weird. He hasn't really acted a whole he's, lot. He's since this kind time. of a cool actor. Yeah. Eh. So I, honestly, well, I think oh, I have I've not seen enough movies with him. In yeah. It, honestly. So Tim Burton. First of all, are you a Tim Burton fan? I am, and I know that's among some people that kind of a hot take because I feel like <laughs> it's kind of cool to not like Tim Burton. Is it really? Yeah. I don't think that at all. Maybe it just depends on who you hang out with. But yeah. I do I do enjoy the like fun house mirror reality that all of his movies seem to take place in. Yeah. There's just something interesting about it for me and I can't help but to watch his movies. I really like him. I like his movies a lot. I might be the only person who likes Charlie and the Chocolate Factory better than Willy Wonka. <laughs> oh, yeah, I am a Burton fan, but I do like Willy Wonka better than charlie i like the music in willy wonka better but i think that's kind of it i have the nostalgia for it i watched willy wonka a ton as a kid just like every other kid Mm -hmm. but i think charlie and the chocolate factory is a better movie even though it's weird 
But I mean, the whole fucking print. It's a Roald Dahl book. The whole, it's all weird. All Roald Dahl is going to be weird. Roald Dahl is basically Tim Burton. It's the Tim Burton before Tim Burton. Yeah. And I think that's a match made in heaven, those two. I really like that movie. I like because he gets to be weird and he gets to be Tim Burton. All the sets are Tim Burton. And again, so when I think Tim Burton, it's all this gothic fairy tale. That's kind of his stick, right? He's very much inspired by German Expressionism, which is an art movement that came like right before World War II in Germany. It kind of made its way in film a little bit because there wasn't a whole lot of movie making back then. That wasn't like straight up World War II propaganda. If you've ever seen, if you've even heard of it, there's a movie called The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. It's an old silent film and it's like the peak of German Expressionism in film. When you watch it, you look at it and you go, this is Tim Burton. And Tim Burton wasn't even alive then. Like, it's remarkable how familiar that movie looks, the aesthetic of it, because we're so used to Tim Burton movies, if you're a Tim Burton fan. Like, there's no right angles. Like, they use these art props for, like, backgrounds. It's like if real people were to be living in this piece of art. You know, that's kind of what you get. That heavily inspired Tim Burton's works, right? Correct. But when he does animated movies, he can go all out. And you don't even question it. Oh, because yeah. when you see a cartoon, it doesn't matter that the proportions of the character don't look realistic because yeah. you've already accepted this is a cartoon. Like J- Jack Skellington, his proportions are weird no, exactly. when you think about it. Or when you watch any cartoon. Think of our cartoon. They all look weird, right? Yeah. Their proportions they don't, don't look up. like real people. Exactly. So you don't think about it that much. So when you see that or Corpse Bride, I love Corpse Bride. Corpse Bride is a very good movie. Yeah. It doesn't seem that weird. And you're kind of, again, for certain people, might not be that uncomfortable to watch. When you watch his live action movies, it depends on where he draws a line on those, on how kind of weird he's going to get. They can be kind of uncomfortable to watch because you think about Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. That one was a little uncomfortable. Yeah. And I don't know if you remember the town, like the street, all the buildings are kind of crooked. Yeah. You get into, like, the dentist's office. And it's very, like, white and, like, cold. And yeah, it's, like, the ceilings yeah, are 20 ceiling. feet tall. and It makes you feel small. and Yeah, yeah it's obviously not a real location. No. But because you see re- real human beings in these settings, it's weird. It feels like a nightmare, right? Yeah. Like we were saying with this movie, that can be kind of strange. And I like it because what you're seeing is not real. This is a piece of art. But you have to kind of be ready for that going in. If you go in to see a movie, especially a live action film, you're expecting to see something akin to real life. You know, so when you see something that's kind of artistic. It throws you off. Yeah. Um, someone said about this movie, he just made the world's first blockbuster art film. <laughs> <laughs> because, again, what we're seeing is not at all realistic. He's trying to put as much art as he can in this movie, but this is Batman. Maybe this isn't the place for this. It, it, the themes clash. Yeah. I don't know. Have you seen Sweeney Todd? Yeah, I actually love Sweeney Todd. A lot of people thought it was boring, but I liked, I'm a fan. So I really liked Sweeney Todd when it first came out. And then I saw it again like a couple years ago, and I didn't like it as much. Really? I don't know why. Because I, I remembered it very fondly. I had a lot of friends in university. Well, do you like like the original musical? I like musicals a lot. Okay. So uh, I had a lot of friends that were huge fans of the musical back in university. But I don't know, the second time I saw it, I, just, I don't remember what it was that I didn't like it as much. But I love that aesthetic, and that was kind of a mix of, like, very real-world London mm-hmm. from, like, you know, 150 years ago or whatever, with a little bit of that Tim Burton flair. Yeah. It wasn't full Tim Burton. Like, no. you think of Edward Scissorhands or this. Have you ever seen Big Fish? I have not seen Big Fish. I've heard about it. Big Fish might be one of my favorite movies, period. Oh. I love that movie because he 
found his balance in that film. Okay, so the premise of Big Fish is that there's this guy who has a very strange relationship with his dad. And the reason is, is because his dad is one of those storytellers that never seems to be telling the truth because all his stories are so extravagant. Okay. And he doesn't know what to believe anymore. And so he doesn't trust his dad. And every time he sees his dad, he just tells him another fake story. And he's like, just take me seriously for once in your fucking life, right? <laughs> so he has to kind of go see his dad on his deathbed. And he's having this kind of like, he has to reconcile his feelings for him and all this. But as the movie plays on, he is recounting the stories that he has, he has heard from his dad to his son. I'm pretty sure. Okay. I might not be remembering this right. So half of the movie is you watch the actual stories play out. And because they're supposed to be extravagant stories that don't make any sense. They're just like tall tales. They're tall tales. Exactly. You get to see all this crazy Tim Burton kind of. Oh, oh, so he gets to, like, thrive with this. Yep. Okay. But it grounds his visions in a kind of very human way, right? Because, again, they're tall tales, and there's this whole father-son dynamic. Yeah. The movie's incredible. Fucking Ewan McGregor, isn't it? Ooh. Okay. Uh, Won a bunch of Academy Awards. It was, I think, his only Academy Award nominee for Best Director. Hmm. But yeah, incredible film. You need to watch it. Again, it's one of my favorites, but it's the only time he really gets to balance those things and it made it kind of, I guess, more digestible for people. <laughs> okay. Because what you, you know what you're seeing. You're told, hey, what you're seeing is fake. This is, yeah. this is like a dream. This is a fairy tale that was told to a kid. People are prepared for it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, that movie is, is really good. So all in all. I wasn't a huge fan of Alice in Wonderland. Um, I, I thought it was okay. I haven't seen Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. I have not seen that. And I haven't seen Dumbo. And Dumbo just came out, I think, last year. I, I want to see Dumbo. Don't get me yeah. wrong. But. but overall, like, I am a Burton fan. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm definitely keeping him. Oh, same. All right, cool. Seems like a cool dude. A little strange, but, you know. Everyone's strange. At least he's owning it. Yeah. You know? And he's making millions of dollars doing it. Absolutely. Uh, Danny DeVito. Oh, love this guy. Dude, Danny DeVito is so cool. And he's such a sweet dude. If you watch like his, uh, like all his like interviews and stuff, mm-hmm. he's just not the person you would expect him to be because he plays such, he's going to typecast it, right? He's typecasted as just like the little asshole. Just like, no, but gross little <laughs> Gr- asshole. Gross little asshole. Like, like grotesque like, little piece like of shit. Like Penguin, Frank Reynolds. Frank Reynolds. The is, dad from Matilda. Dude, Frank Reynolds might be his best role, period. Yeah. And he loves that role. And when you see him talk about it, he's such a sweetheart. Yeah. yeah, he's like, oh yeah, no, it's disgusting, but like, oh, yeah, yeah. It's, disgusting. it's funny. <laughs> yeah, I love him in Hercules. <laughs> I love him in Hercules. Uh, they even made Phil kind of look like him in Hercules. Twins with Arnold. Have you seen that? No. Twins with Arnold Schwartz. Oh. Yeah, I know the premise is he's he's like the so radically different. Yeah, that movie's hilarious because he he kind of plays like a sleazy scumbag in that too. Yeah, he's always typecast as like a bad guy. <laughs> I know. I I just want him to, and I've seen. I haven't seen all of his films. I've seen a lot of them. But I'd really just like to see him just be a nice guy in a movie for once, you know? <laughs> yeah. Even in Space Jam, he was an asshole. Who was he in Space Oh, was he the sleazy kind of like... sleazy uh, alien crime lord yeah, boss that yeah, tried yeah. to enslave Michael Jordan? Because he's got that raspy New Jersey voice, you know? <laughs> yeah, he does. He's just sleazy sounding. But, but he's a really good guy. Um... I think while he was doing Matilda, which I think he directed and produced and starred in. Yes. Um, the girl that played Matilda, I believe her mom like got really sick and was hospitalized. So Danny DeVito and his wife took care of this girl while this was all going on and while they were making the movie. Yeah, he's, that's awesome. Yeah. 
He's a really good dude. Oh, and um, if you've ever wondered why he's so short, he suffers from a disease called... Oh, it's uh, multiple... It's called epiphyseal dysplasia. dysplasia. So it's called Fairbanks disease. And it's a rare genetic disorder that affects bone growth. And so basically he's sort of kind of stopped growing. He is four foot ten. And honestly, it's kind of incredible when you consider the career that he's mounted with that up against him in a place like Hollywood. Yeah. You know, because we kind of said, oh, yeah, he's typecasted. But the reasons we say said he was typecasted was not because he was short. It's because he kind of like... He, he sounds mean. He sounds mean. Exactly. <laughs> it's mostly his voice and his kind of demeanor and, yeah. and kind of his general look. It's not because he's four foot ten. And they do play on the fact that he's little, obviously. Right. But at no point is he, like, limited because of it, I no. feel. You could cast Danny DeVito to do anything. Yeah. And I don't think at any point, like, he's belittled because of it either. No, like, not he's easily, right. very well respected, I feel like. Yeah. Well, you just said, like, twins. Like, that's obviously because they got the tallest and the shortest guy they could R- find. Right. <laughs> right. But. But, honestly, that movie's great. Yeah. It's, so, it's probably actually not that good. I just really like it. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm 100% keeping Dan DeVito. I love this guy. Oh, absolutely. I am, too. He's great. So, I didn't know if I wanted to talk about Michelle Pfeiffer or Christopher Walken. And then, I, I'm going to be honest, I don't really know enough about them to even discuss. I don't know enough about either of them, really. I don't think they're probably that interesting in and, order and to... And we already talked about Michael I Keaton. Would, right. I would definitely, I guess, probably keep Michelle Pfeiffer and Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken is such an interesting dude, and I would love to come back to him if we have ever have the chance. It's just I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know much about him, so yeah, I don't. Besides, like the thing he does with his voice, yeah. Besides all the memes and stuff, yeah. and like all the jokes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's basically it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. So, final thoughts. Batman Returns. What is it? <laughs> it's very strange. Fever dream of a movie doesn't really feel like it belongs in this continuity, but I do like it. I. Think I like it better than the last one, actually. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, I might agree with you. Like, I definitely had more fun watching this one. I think this movie is more interesting than the last one because it is more out there and because it's weirder. Yeah, like, I've never seen any Batman movie like this one before. I don't think I've seen a superhero movie like this before. Exactly, exactly. This is the most out there superhero movie ever, Yeah, I think. I don't know if that makes it a better movie than the last one, mm-hmm. just because I might have enjoyed it better. I think at least this movie is more of something than the last movie. I think the last movie played it safe in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Last week I said that Batman movie spends more time trying to prove itself to be real cinema that it kind of forgets to be a movie, you know? Yeah. Like, the story doesn't feel complete. No, this and... story felt a lot more cohesive. Sure, yeah. However, it does have a lot of villains. I don't like Max Shrek. I mean, I like him, but I don't like... I would like him in a different movie. I don't like him in this movie. I feel like they could have found a better workaround for that Harvey Dent role. He probably didn't need to be in the movie at all, and they could have just made Penguin a bit more um, menacing. They could have just given Batman more screen time. <laughs> you know, give, make, that, give that is a thing that do. these movies haven't really done is give Batman screen yeah, time. Yeah, and you talk about okay, so people remember Michael Keaton's Batman, and I'm like, look, I just saw these movies, and I don't know if I have an opinion on. <laughs> There's Michael not Keaton's a Batman. lot of Michael Keaton. There's not enough of him for me to say, oh yeah, he kills it, or no, like I don't know, he just he's not doing much, you know, and that's not his fault. Sure. I say this is definitely not going in the Phantom Zone because of how unique it is. Yes. No, I'm, I am glad this movie exists. Yeah. I really am. And honestly, like, I might watch this movie again sometime. 
Maybe, yeah. Maybe the it's first, Christmas. The first one, I'm not so sure, but this one, definitely. It's Christmas light. So, like, at the end of November, pop it in. Yeah, pop this in along with Iron Man 3 and Shazam. Yeah. So, yeah, not in the Phantom Zone for me. I think you said not, no, Phantom not in the for Phantom you. Zone for me either. Uh, the only thing I forgot to mention, by the way, are the bat suits. We're going to talk about bat suits. We kind of didn't. This is my favorite bat suit of all these movies, I think. Really? Yes. Because the last one had, like, a sculpted kind of chest piece to make it look like anatomically like yeah. abs in a chest and stuff like that. This I one, don't like when suits do that. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. This oh, one yeah. is more, looks more like armored plating. Mm-hmm. And the aesthetic of, if you look at the abs, looks kind of like mechanical meets art deco, which was kind of like the architectural motif of the last film. And again, they kind of cleaned it up. It's slightly higher quality. It seems his, less restrictive, too. His him. mouth doesn't really fill up. There's like a gaping hole on the side because mm-hmm. it doesn't fit him super well. And the only thing I don't like about this suit is that he rips it off. And, and shows it that it's rubber. And shows that it's rubber. Exactly. Otherwise, I think this is a beautiful suit. It does look better than the last one. Um, I don't quite remember what the suits look like in the next two movies besides the bat nipples. <laughs> Uh, I've got them all. So if you look, if you scroll down, all the bat suits are here. Every single one. Every Ooh, single Val one. Kilmer and the George I even Clooney include ones the Christian Bale ones for comparison, the Ben Affleck ones for comparison, okay. and Robert Pattinson's. So right. you I actually like the Ben Affleck bat suit. I remember oh, liking it. by far the best. <laughs> That's my favorite. I'm saying out of these movies, the oh. Batman Returns one is my favorite bat suit. Okay. And then, like, once we watch the other two, I'll probably have a more definitive opinion on these movies. Which yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get more into it. But uh, now that we're hitting. But this one was definitely an improvement over the last movie. For sure, for sure. Okay, cool. So, tomorrow is Christmas. Yes. And we have a special episode coming up first thing in the morning. Look, I know it's Christmas. Maybe you're busy. But, I don't know. If you got to drive somewhere, put it on. Listen yeah. to our Christmas opinions. Yeah. I mean, if you want to listen to it, like, even the day after Christmas, you know, yeah, it's sure. still still within the season. If you, you know, 12 days of Christmas, we kind of talked about this. You have until you got 12 days to still be in the season. And if you want to, if you're going on a run or something, just pop us in. If you're bored, yeah. listen to our, we're going to talk about Christmas movies, our favorite Christmas movies. We're going to talk about superheroes that should be in Christmas movies other than this Batman. Yes. <laughs> and we're going to talk about, we're going to do a Secret Santa. It's, it's uh, going to be a fun time. It's just a fun episode, yeah. Yeah. And also, maybe there's a special guest. So Maybe. Check it out, is all I'm saying. It's coming at you tomorrow on Christmas morning. It's our present to you. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Well, I should probably say that when we do anyway. our outro. So, but the <laughs> next movie we're doing is the sequel to this, Batman Forever. Batman Forever. Starts getting weird in a different sense, right? <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if it's in a better sense or not. Yeah. So that movie's available on HBO Max. Otherwise, thank you for listening. Thanks to that piano dude for a musical intro. Make sure you leave a rating and review on whatever app you're using to listen to your podcast. Tell a friend. Tell all of your friends. Like we said, tell so many friends. Punch your friends in the face if you have to. Get them to listen to Films from the Phantom Zone. <laughs> um, we're on Instagram at Films from the Phantom Zone. And we're on Twitter at Films from PZ. We just went on a... I mean, not you. I went on a rampage earlier <laughs> today. Oh, I did an unpopular opinions thread. So if you have any unpopular opinions, just shoot them my way. I'll shoot you back my unpopular opinion. <laughs> I don't think you said anything unpopular. I, you said you like... I like Guardians 2 better than the first one. That's kind of unpopular. I think it's like a 50-50, honestly. Huh. I know a lot of people that say that the second one's a slight improvement over the first. I, I do enjoy the second one a lot. Huh. All right. Well, anyway. <laughs> other than that, do you have anything else you want to say? 
besides Merry Christmas to all oh, of you guys. Yeah, fuck. Merry Christmas, you guys. <laughs> Obviously, take care of each other and all, <laughs> yeah. all kinds of shit like that. So, but uh, that's about it for me. Yeah, otherwise, we'll see you tomorrow and then also next week. So, right. bye. Bye.